Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today is our special Picard Week episode. We are so excited to be joined today by Matthew Kapowitz from Trek Untold and Aaron Cocker from Enterprising Individuals. How are you both this evening? Great. Doing great. Yeah, ready to talk about Picard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rihanna and I both have our Picard is my Chadich ah, <laughs> shirts. Great, we're ready. Yep. <laughs> so we're ready. Picard merch at the ready as well. I've got my. Uh... Yes. Our face palm statue right over here. Oh, he looks great. Oh, that is nice. epic. I have my uh, badly one-armed Gambit oh. card. But... Oh, no. <laughs> Galen, oh, no. Yeah, I know. He's Poor Galen. Well. So oh. today we are here to talk about Stranded Picard. I'm very, very excited to chat about this genre, very niche genre of TNG episodes today. But first, before we get started, um, start with Matthew. Tell us about Trek Untold and uh, how what you've been doing on Picard Week. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me on this episode. Uh, so my podcast, Trek Untold, is a weekly interview series. And each week what I do is I have someone come on the show. Uh, and that could be an actor, that could be a stunt performer, it could be a behind-the-scenes person, like a visual effects artist or writer or director or anybody who's in and around the Star Trek universe. And we talk about what they do in terms of their contributions to Star Trek, but also who they are as a person, their upbringing, first their entire story around their profession and their life. And uh, we see what they've learned, how it always ends up relating to somehow in Star Trek, and uh, just get to know these really awesome people. And uh, what I'm doing this year for Captain McCard Week 2 is uh, I'm going to be doing an episode called The Ethics of Jean-Luc Picard. And I did it uh, with the Dura sisters, as well as Hawk from Strange New Pod, uh, and our friends over at the, the Trexperts Quiz as well. So we had a really, really interesting, deep discussion there. Uh, a lot of brain-racking questions, I, I hope. <laughs> and uh, yes. yeah, so that's going to be coming out on uh, the 13th. So you guys can check that out on the 13th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Strange New Pod channel. Very exciting. And Aaron... Awesome. Tell us about Enterprising Individuals. Yeah, uh, Enterprising Individuals is a weekly show where I and a guest go into excruciating detail about the series, characters, and stories of Star Trek. And uh, we also examine the social, political, and practical aspects of the Star Trek universe. So I've had uh, talked to uh, actors from Star Trek, uh, authors of Star Trek books, uh, scientists, and experts, usually selecting a particular episode that they want to talk about and then just going through everything in the episode. Uh, and those are what we do one week. And then the alternating weeks, we talk about specific um, topics from the world of Star Trek. Um, the prime directive, um, the fact that there is money or there isn't money. How does the economy work in Star Trek? And just sort of like examining the, the entire thing, the Star Trek universe as a whole. Wow, that is awesome. awesome. I love that all of our podcasts are like very in-depth niche, like yeah. <laughs> deep dives, you know, so yeah. this will be a really fun discussion today. Yeah. I feel like to make it in the world of podcasts, you have to have that like thing, <laughs> that niche. <you> know? <laughs> yeah. Some people Absolutely. like to do it casual. We like to go way too in-depth. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Just a little. Absolutely. <laughs> so just kind of diving in to Strand Picard, I have a question for all of you. And Rianne, I'm going to start with you. So if you could be stranded, I'm going to say you can choose an episode to be stranded with. You can choose a planet, interpret the question how you wish. But if you could be stranded anywhere with any Star Trek character, who would it be and would you survive? 
Oh man, this is a fun question. Um, and people who know me might not be that surprised, <laughs> um, but I would definitely choose to be stranded with Spock and I would love to it to have it be during the attached episode in TNG so we could share a braid for a bit. <laughs> I think that would be epic. I think he might think I'm a little bit of a freak because I, I love him a lot, but like I still, <laughs> I think that we would get out of the situation easy. We might even figure out that the people there are actually trying to help us and we shouldn't run away from them. Who knows? Sure. Um, or I could push Spock through the force field last minute, you know, to save him. So sure. that's my dream. <laughs> I, I think I Spock like you wrote and this I, already. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I, I just think that, like, we would make it out because Spock is very reliable and he's really a good person to be stranded with unless it's Galileo 7, then, you know, <laughs> there's some issues there. But yeah. otherwise, he has a pretty good track record. So Beverly, I guess Spock in this role would have to like define the boundaries for you, Rihanna, yeah. at the end. Like, <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah, I feel like we have to just be friends. I'm like, okay, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Aaron, Aaron, how about you? Who would you be stranded with? I think that I would be stranded with uh, Chief O'Brien. Nice. Uh, and the reason is, is that he seems like, there's been a couple episodes where he's been stuck somewhere and he seems like he's, you know, as long as nothing is too dangerous, he's a fun pal around guy. He's pretty easygoing. Uh, also, if you do have any trouble, any technical trouble, he's really handy. He could probably fix whatever the problem is. And let's face it, if something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to him. So that way uh, I don't have to worry about anything bad happening to me because he must suffer in that case. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. And if we had to be stuck somewhere in particular, um, I was just thinking like, Maybe we could get stuck in the Fairhaven program on Voyager. And then okay. that way, you know, eventually Herojin Nazis would invade. But up to that point, he could take you on the pub crawl. He could show you all the fun stuff. He could tell you stories about being back home in Ireland. And so it'd be really nice up until the point that the lizard Nazis show up. <laughs> sure. I love this. <laughs> that's really awesome. Yeah. Put O'Brien in Fairhaven. That's that's perfect. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I see in the comments we have Wayner saying that O'Brien's the most important person in Starfleet, which you know, yeah, yeah, with that. <laughs> yeah. And Matthew, how about you? Who would you be stranded with? Yeah, this was a tough one for me to think about because it was very much uh, a process of elimination question for me because I was like thinking about my favorite characters, and then I was like going through the traits of who they are, and I'm like, I probably don't want to be with them, like. You know, if I wanted to have Odo with me, that would be awesome in theory because he could shapeshift or whatever. But then every 18 hours, he's got to go into some kind of bucket somewhere to reshape. <laughs> Plus, he's just a grumpy pants. Uh, mm -hmm. I'd love to hang out with Rom, but I don't think I want to be trapped on planet with just Rom. That would be the most neurotic, horrible experience ever. Yeah. Uh, Riker could be cool, but he'd just be yelling at me the entire time. Um, Worf would be whining the entire time while also yelling at me. So I think for me, like, my best choice uh, that I picked was Kira. Because I feel like Kira has the best survival skills, uh, and, and and more so the best survival skills ratio to how much I want to hang out with the person. Because you're going to be stuck with this person until who knows how long. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kind of important that you can bond and not kill each other. So I feel like, you know, Kira knows how to survive. She can regale me with tales of the uh, Bajoran resistance. Uh, we'll have a good time. She'll be grumpy at first because she's from DS9, but eventually she'll warm up and we'll make it through. Yes, that's I love an this. epic answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great choice. I want to say a couple people in the comments have put in their answers. We have Colin D saying like Q Colber, um, he's safe, like someone who's the best to talk to. I think uh, someone from Strange New Pod, probably Julian, said, I want to be stranded with Will Riker on Starbase 80, which is probably the shittiest dive bar, which would be <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm going to say I have to be stranded with Janeway. I I love Janeway so much. I mean, (laughs) I I really love Picard, but I'm going to be stranded with Janeway. And I think we would do great if we were like shoved back in time somehow, whether it's jumping through the Guardian of Forever or going back to L.A. to like roller skate together. I think we would be able to figure out how to get back to the future while not affecting the present too much. And she's also terrible with the temporal prime directive, so I would try to help her with that too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was just about to ask. Do you think she would follow the temporal directive rules? But I, I'm getting a no from you. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> I don't. It depends on the situation, I guess. Sure. <laughs> and does she have coffee rations with her or not? That's the important question. Yeah. Yes. Is there coffee where you're stranded? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just feel like she's so like intelligent with her engineering skills that we can get out of any situation. So got to go with yeah. Janeway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. All all great answers. Great yeah. pick. All right. And so now let's move more to Stranded. So I kind of have a little caveat when I was, when Rianne and I were coming up with this watch list to talk about these episodes, there's a lot of moments where Picard is actually kidnapped and then stranded as a result of the kidnapping. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, or he's like hanging out somewhere and then he gets kidnapped. Like poor Picard, a lot goes down. So I just wanted to say that a lot of these episodes are going to be divided into kidnapping versus stranded episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just what happens with these Starfleet captains sometimes. Yeah. yeah truly. Yeah. Is uh, it, it's it, it's interesting too, that like the amount of times that he is kidnapped or, or taken off the ship, they seem to increase as the show goes on. You know, obviously in the first season or two, they were thinking, well, this guy's not going to go on the away missions. That's Riker's job. But I noticed like with your picks and just kind of going over the list of episodes, it's like, huh, season five, six, seven. Now he's really getting kidnapped a lot uh, in the later episodes. Yeah. And I yeah. wonder if they use that as a writing device to like to add danger <laughs> or if Riker's just getting more and more like, uh, I can't yeah, you go ahead. Star Trek writing is like pulling somebody out of their comfort zone and forcing mm-hmm. them to do things that they wouldn't normally do. So especially mm-hmm. when it's a, a team based show and an ensemble based show, the minute you pluck somebody away from their entire crew and toss them somewhere that's completely strange, then uh, they're going to be forced to do things that are out of character, a little bit different and mm-hmm. uh, try and find their way. And, and hopefully in, in turn, show the audience a little, a little bit more about who they are. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. Yeah, it really does give us an opportunity too to look at all of these different characters that maybe not don't interact on a day to day basis. And this is always a fun thing about Star Trek and that we get these in the stranded episode is going to be really cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wrapping up, people have also been pouring, like, pouring in their opinions who they want to be stranded with. Um, Ricard Picardo says Giant Spock, which is a wonderful <laughs> choice. Giant Spock is yes. a really smart choice. Yeah. yeah. Just hold spot. like hold this little finger and you'll just you'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. MC is gonna ride on giant Spock's shoulder like a parrot. So we have a whole plan. Sure. Everything's gonna nice. go well. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's jump into it. So we're we will start with the kidnapping section because there's a lot of kidnapped episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna be going into uh the menagerie. So this is the Star Trek menagerie section. Um, where the aliens are studying human behavior and it's considered a crime sometimes. <laughs> so the first episode we'll be talking about is Allegiance from season mm. three and mm. episode 18. Yeah. So Ashlyn, before we start though, I think that it's always customary, you know, to have a toast before we embark onto this journey. So anyone have their beverages, non-alcoholic, alcoholic, whatever you're feeling, uh, let's raise it, raise a toast to this podcast. And to us, <laughs> to stranded Picard. Just launch it. To strange new blood. 
And you know what, Rihanna? When I was actually at the academy, we used to follow up a toast with a song. Oh my god! <laughs> Let me think. Um, I, I think I have one. Um, Come cheer up, my lads! Tis to glory we steer to add something new to this wonderful year. To honor, we call you as free men, not slaves. For who are so free as the suns and the waves? Heart of oak are our ships, jolly tars are our men. We always are ready, steady boys, steady. We'll fight and we'll conquer again and again. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Thank you. Um, Strange acting Picard. <laughs> yeah. I felt like uh, uh, Jordy and Worf in that, where uh, in the episode they're just like, I don't know the words. <laughs> the captain's singing. <laughs> yeah, I just felt so like good. we had to really get in the spirit, honor Picard, whether he's himself or not. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, right, and thank, right. And thank you to Donnie Pearson who says, "Ah, the official march of the British Royal and Royal Canadian Navies." <laughs> so, yes, awesome. But for some reason, Starfleet adopted because why not? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's normal fine. stuff. Okay. okay. So, so let's get kidnapped together. <laughs> <laughs> he was kidnapped by a rectangle in this episode. I think it's one of the most creative ways for uh, Picard to leave the ship. Uh, Rhea, yeah. will you give a just brief summary about this one? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So like you said, he's kidnapped by a block of cloud that makes him sparkle away to this holding cell where he's being held with other just seemingly random people plucked from different parts of of the quadrant or whatever and he has to figure out how to get out of this place and sort of the like what is actually going on here because it seems at first like they're being held but they're not being told anything or they haven't seen their captors at all and usually you know if you're being held you need like some questions answered or there's going to be some kind of interrogation and they find that there's only one type of ration and it's one that Mr. Toss cannot eat and so then conflict ensues and Picard has to figure out the motive behind why they have been kidnapped in the first place and turns out it's actually nothing as nefarious as we all think even though they were all kidnapped uh it's actually just an entity trying to study them this is why it's in our TNG's menagerie section so <laughs> there's a brief summary but we're let's dive into it first I do want to ask the question why the sparkly block of cloud <laughs> like what was the animation what was going on in their heads here I don't know. It's kind of monolithy almost. It's almost yes. like 2001 monolith. And I remember, th I loved this one as a kid when I saw it for, for the first time because it was just so weird. Like he's yeah. just reading a book. It's something you'd expect him to do. And then suddenly he drifts off and this, and this thing is so strange. And, you know, sure, Star Trek is aliens and it's in space, but usually it's stuff that we understand. And this just seems so weird. But I, I don't know. It, it's not like they have like a monolith-based culture or their other technology is, is uh, rectangular or, or is uh, polyhedron. So I don't, I don't really know. It's, they could afford that effect in the computer maybe. Yeah. They had that, that was in their assets. It, it's a lot easier just to do four points of, of, of math. Sure, yeah. That's just absolutely. Absolutely. do anything Done. else more fancy. Doesn't cost much. Yep, so true. I think they were getting towards the end of season three and said, oh, we have a little bit more budget than we thought we did. Something I was really impressed with with Picard is he gets kidnapped, he wakes up, and at that point, there's two other people there with him. And right. he gets right down to business trying to figure out what's going on. He's asking questions like, do you have any enemies? Where were you? Like, he's really trying to break down a timeline of each and every person. And yeah. so I'm wondering what you thought about 
like how he took charge. We will see that he gets challenged several times by people saying, I don't know if you should be doing this right now. You're not the cat or you're not like the in control of us. So what were your thoughts about um, how Picard handled this situation? Uh, he's, he remains calm, which is important. And he's kind of an old hand, I think. Um, not not as much as an old hand at being kidnapped as he will be by the end of season seven. But and something that I thought was really, um, he was the man for this moment is that he knew all their histories. He was familiar as the jet setting, uh, star faring captain of the flagship. Like he knew the Missourians and he knew, um, I can't remember the uh stabby underbites race but like he knew all these these creatures and so he was like okay so maybe it's this guy and that guy and that guy and that guy and he was the guy who could sort of work through everything um it turned out to not matter because i guess they're just picked randomly but uh he's definitely immediately started to, to try to take charge um but not like order everybody around uh just sort of like get them all working together which is a real picard thing ultimately <laughs> Yeah, for me, I think a lot of uh, the episodes we're going to talk about today, I'm going to end up kind of going back to when I first saw these as a kid and some of my initial thoughts on those. Because I remember the first time I watched this as a kid, I was like, whoa, where's this going? This is pretty interesting. And now as an adult with uh, more knowledge of TV and that kind of stuff, uh, I can't help but kind of think of this episode of The Twilight Zone, which was called uh, Five Characters in Search of an Exit. Mm. And this one, now, now that I look back at it, I'm like, wow, this feels a lot like that episode. And that one, again, has like similar kind of really awesome twist ending. I won't give it away, but essentially it's just like, five completely weird people trapped somewhere they don't know why they're there and they just want to get out of there and it's a really cool episode and uh this very much kind of felt like that but with that nice awesome star trek twist and yeah picard just wastes no time like you said it's just he wants to go home <laughs> he doesn't want to eat those weird <laughs> terrible lucite discs he wants to go back and get some Earl Grey. <laughs> uh, so right no no time to we wasted here yeah, Matthew, I love that you talked about the Twilight Zone because they really do stranded episodes the best. <laughs> and so it's just Star Trek always doing odes to them. And I really liked that we do have it in one solid, like solid location the whole time. You know, we don't have a lot of moving around. We don't see this whole facility or the complex. Even when they like Jerry rig the door open, there's just another solid block of metal behind that you know and so that sort of increases the feelings of like being captured and being like trapped in this place and so it's really interesting to see how people react to being trapped and that's of course what the species is trying to do here at the end they admit to saying like oh yeah we just wanted to see how uh you all would behave in captivity essentially and that's what's bringing me back to the menagerie so much you know and yeah, and, yeah. and hum humanity's fierce hatred and for, for captivity and everything. And so Picard is really showing that here. He's like, I would, you know, kind of similar to what Pike said, like we'd rather die than be captive here. And mm -hmm. um, I just, I really love this episode. It actually took me by surprise because I was so like secondhand embarrassment of like the, the bleep, the B plot of this, where he is the, you know, like the fake Picard. I was so embarrassed by all that, that I like didn't even think about the actual Picard moments, but watching it for this was so enlightening. I'm like, what a cool way to put them all in a room and then keep them there and see how they react. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally with you, Rihanna. I thought it was great to see how Picard was like, you could see his mind working through like what to do step-by-step. Step. Like he's at the door trying to tap out like, Hey, we're intelligent. You know, like this is not, you're not just capturing like a plant. <laughs> like we, we are alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, Trying to think about like, he's trying to think all the different possible things that could be happening to them because this is Star Trek and Picard knows anything goes in Star Trek. So I loved, I loved uh, him trying to figure that out. And then I thought the reveal at the end that specifically they were chosen because they all react differently to authority was really interesting 
too. Mm -hmm. And I think also having that dynamic of um, the ensign who was, you know, kind of catering to Picard the whole time, of course, it was all a test. <laughs> it was it wasn't yeah. even the a true ensign. But yeah. um, what did you think about the ending of this episode? I thought it had some season one vibes, like just a kind of a weird. Uh, we don't have time for this ending. Let's just trap you. Turn it around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See how you feel. End it. Um, end it fast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a little brutal. Surprisingly brutal. I think for. Uh, but yeah, like I said, very much. <laughs> Picard doesn't have time for the same work. Like I said, he wanted to yeah. get home, so he's finally back in the ship. He's like, let's just get out of here. Uh, F these aliens. I'm done with this stuff here. Uh, so yeah, it, it, and that's like it, it's kind of fun too. It's like they have this containment feel on the, on the ship. I'm like, how come they haven't used that more often? That's a really yeah. cool right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, yeah. well, and yeah, Picard surprisingly brutal. He did not take this as a first contact opportunity, which I really was expecting him to say, "Okay, now let's talk about the Federation." <laughs> you know, but <laughs> no, he says, "Get out of here." This felt like a Janeway yeah. move to me, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. yeah. Like a bit revenge, like vengeful. Yeah, and I feel like too, he was just not in the right headspace to be negotiating like peace or contact anything. Like he needed a moment to breathe, and he didn't have one, and so he reacted just of like, "I hate you guys. This is what you did to me. I'm going to give you a little taste of your own medicine," right. which yeah. is so unlike Picard. It was really interesting. Um, but we all have our breaking point, and he for sure hit it in this episode. Well, and they were like there for a while like not yeah. sleeping just arguing so he's there's a lot of tension that he was yeah. bringing to that conversation <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't see a bathroom in that cell True. i was wondering that too. <laughs> how does like, that work they're just this alien species they must not have like a like a dmv or like uh or uh, uh gridlock traffic because like they're they put these people in a hole and they're like what's it like to like be stuck somewhere and you, you can't get away uh exactly right yeah they've never Space been trapped DMV. somewhere a cage of our own making right. society yeah, yeah. They're, yeah jerks, but they're not civil servants absolutely yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh man yeah it's it's a very interesting but i'm glad that you know picard says at the end like imprisonment is an injury regardless of how you justify it and mm -hmm. Um, sort of helping them to recognize the morality of this situation and the lack of it, you know, and, and how it is true that, yeah, we put a lot of our own human moralities onto things, but there are things that are just like hard line. You don't just kidnap people for your own benefit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think let's move on uh, to Liaisons, which is season seven, episode two. Rihanna, will you give a brief description of this oh, one as well? Man, I'll... Uh, 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 Definitely, like, take care of yourselves. This We're going to be talking about some kind of serious content here. But um, Picard essentially gets in a shuttle accident um, where they are stranded him in this ambassador that they're going to this, supposed to go to this planet um, together. And they get stranded by this, like, energy field. And so on, on this planet, it's, like, full of like storms electric storms and stuff and he meets this woman who has been stranded there for seven years and he helps her you know he's injured or so he thinks and it turns out that she is not as she seems um she falls in love with him supposedly and has and picard has to deal with sort of the implications of that and turns out in the end of the episode that it's not actually this woman but it is the ambassador doing the same story that happened to this woman who was there for seven years and fell in love with someone else to study love apparently that was that was the uh, determiner so this is going to have some like, you know, really intense topics because this episode just goes dark fast. Like I was really surprised by it, honestly. 
And it's balanced by like the goofiest B plot in the world where yeah. Worf is acting way out of character and just getting pissed off by this other guy until he finally hits his breaking point. And then the other guy was like, oh boy, I love chocolate. Oh, I love pizza. And the guy's just eating all the stuff. So you have all that. And then you got this like very dark story about this woman being stranded, you know, looking for love on this. I think I read somewhere that this was actually uh, Jerry Taylor or one of the writers of the episode had based it on misery uh, and the, mm. uh, the Stephen King story. Uh, about somebody being trapped and being by themselves and just wanting so much to make a connection with somebody and uh, mm -hmm. to be loved. And I think you can see that in the episode. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely, Aaron. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to even say the same thing because like, I don't remember what I saw first if I had seen Misery first first as a kid uh see i saw all sorts of horrible things as a kid way too young um but yeah no, I, it's totally star trek does misery and it's amazing and they did it so well uh especially because you know it's syndicated tv you can't have anybody you know breaking his foot but still uh you know this is it's some pretty rough stuff though i mean it's it's again going back to like my initial memory of it as a as a kid much like allegiance i was like where is this gonna go because it was pretty scary to see picard trapped like this this is like legit trauma here and uh, i'm surprised he wasn't more angry by the end of it like he was in allegiance yeah, that's something I do want to discuss because this is this has very ser serious implications. Like he was assaulted by this supposed woman, by this ambassador posing mm -hmm. as the woman. Um, Anna was her name. And it's really just like he sort of just gives him a like slap on the wrist type thing. Not even he's just like, that's not ethically cool at the end. And then he brushes it aside. And so I think that is something that like is so dangerous to brush aside and it's something that needs to be discussed more but also it's the 80s and they were like anyway next episode you know like this is sort of also how tng and star trek does it you know is they they talk about really serious topics and then they have to be done so they can't really like bring on more implications okay right. i'm actually gonna disagree with you a little bit rihanna mm -hmm. um we're talking about the ending so i'm just gonna dive in but like yeah what they've done is so culturally like like, I don't know if they did any research, if they were just like, hey, let's just jump in and have fun with the humans. But I, I think actually Picard is trying to save face because this is a relationship that he's not trying to burn the bridge for. So if he did not, like if this was just someone they had randomly encountered who had staged all of this and kidnapped him and like been putting his crew through all of this, I think he would have had a much different reaction. But he's expected to have a good relationship with um, this ambassador. And he says as like politely as possible like in my culture you would have committed a crime the guy doesn't even know what a crime is um and so i think he's trying to be really delicate with the situation and say we can go in deeper into this later but that was not okay and like i am offended but let's just move past it so i think he's trying to like i don't know i think he's trying to walk the line even though it's um a kind of a dark line to walk yeah great point I think the real first contact question should be, did they put us through some kind of crazy test when we first met? Like, yeah. are they trying to fool us with something? Do we really want to be like associated with these people? Uh, that happens a couple times. This this is one of, uh, I think, three episodes tonight where Picard has a device affixed to him yes. you know, to cause him pain yes. or, or to do something. And I think it's like one of like two or three shuttle or ship crashes as well. So mm -hmm. it's like you see these, these tropes that uh, repeat in Star Trek a lot. Yes, I was going to say this is a great one because he's in a shuttle and the shuttle crashes, but actually he's like the whole thing is a part of the kidnapping. So this yeah. is yeah. a bingo card for those. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, let me see. I was also going to say that um, just uh, Picard has a, um, when he's, when he's talking to the ambassador at the end of the episode, um, 
the way he words his kind of final message to him, like when we meet some cultures, we, we like to go in with a lighter touch, like something in the middle that's like getting to know you and like doing some research ahead of time. And so Mm -hmm. it is fascinating to meet a a culture that completely immerses themselves. And this is what we've been seeing, of course, on the B plot and then the like sketchy A plot with this lady. Um, So I, just another way I think that his, ability to finesse the situation and say like something in a better way um his come is comes through i mean this is season seven picard he's dealt with a lot of diplomatic situations at this point so yeah yeah, Yeah. just want to throw that out there as well Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, that's that's a great point and i feel like too it's really interesting to see picard's sort of just like real logic and like higher brain function coming in here of course he's Mm -hmm. always Mm -hmm. very smart but he really activates that like sort of investigative dixon hill mode when he's like stranded in these situations because in our first episode we discussed um allegiance like he knows pretty much right away that the um bullion ensign is not who she seems to be when she talks about a mission that is classified because he Mm -hmm. throws that out there like oh Mm -hmm. let me see if she knows this one because it's kind of weird that she would know these other missions um and so that's his first way of doing it i love that in this episode as well he is just fantastic at realizing like pretty soon into the episode okay something's going on here because Anna was like locking the door from the inside and he he's like that's weird like there doesn't seem to be a lot of animals on this planet um and realizing that she broke the communicator and all of this kind of stuff the transmitter um it really is starting to show oh my god he she is not she has more nefarious attentions that intentions than he first suspected and so I do want to applaud Picard just for staying cool for this whole situation because Mm -hmm. that's just an impossible uh, type of stranded to be in. And I'm just like very impressed by him because like we said, we really, he goes through a lot of trauma and a lot of um, just like crazy moments that we never talk about again. And this is definitely one of them. Yeah. It's a crazy situation, but I guess in their universe, sometimes this is the work of diplomacy. I don't know what class this is at Starfleet Academy, but you know, if you find yourself in a situation where somebody's kidnapped you, but they're pretending to be somebody else, let it play out for a little bit. You know, just be yeah, a, exactly. Just be understanding. Yeah, that's true. That's actually something they do tell a lot of folks who are in like security or that kind of stuff. Is like, whatever the crazy person says, agree with them. <laughs> sure because uh, right. otherwise you'll just yep. be escalated in the situation if you disagree with them so you actually yeah. do want to disagree with them and then eventually get to a way to uh, mentally disarm them with your own questions that'll maybe start to like get them back into reality mm-hmm. but um yeah i think this episode is really great because it also shows us one of the most important character traits of who picard is and that's that he does not see things in black and white at all and we see that we're going to see it throughout every i think pretty much every single episode we're going to talk about tonight is he doesn't see anything in black and white he is always about the gray so whereas these aliens are very much like only thinking about one thing, Picard's like, well, there's a lot of other complicated issues here. And that's how he's able to kind of like maintain his diplomatic abilities throughout these very stressful and oftentimes traumatic situations. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, right now, MC's throwing out in the comments, um, Picard's class about diplomacy and kidnapping comes right after Holodeck Malfunctions 101. <laughs> um, and Tuvok probably taught uh, Julian saying there's probably a survival security 101 class taught by Tuvok at the Academy. So all of this is covered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, oh man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else we want to say about this category of the menagerie before we go on? I'll I'll say lastly, um, we do get a sh a scene where they crash in the shuttle and uh, Picard. I just I just recently took a CPR in first aid class, so I was noticing he does everything right, and Star Trek does a really good job of accurately portraying how to like make sure someone's um, in a like calm, stable position. He gets a like he takes his jacket off to support his neck put some like face up so we can like breathe okay um yeah. so i was just applauding we're going to talk about this more <laughs> about <laughs> yeah his survival um, skills first day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah during trying to survive so um, like his survival out. skills throughout the episodes here uh, yeah i think i think that's part <laughs> of being stranded for sure you have to be mm -hmm. ready for the worst yeah yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. So now we are leaving the TNG menagerie section and we are going to enter the what a tangled web and Picard keeps getting caught section. <laughs> <laughs> so this is starting off with a very light episode, the chain of command part two. Hilarious episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great. Just yeah. amazing plot. Um, so this one, of course, a very famous episode. Picard is captured by the Cardassians and he is basically tortured by them into getting information on the attack that will occur on Minos Corva. Of course, that's not happening. Um, this is all a design by the Cardassians. They um, set up this whole thing to capture Picard and Beverly and Worf got away. So he's the only one um, in the situation. He is being gaslight, gaslighted, girl bossed and gay kept by <laughs> this Cardassian. <laughs> so Definitely. He yeah. Time. Yeah. And this is the incident number two of a device being <laughs> blended into him, as we discussed earlier. So keep that three. in mind. Yeah. No, yeah. Two for three. This is definitely a torture device um, that has different like settings of pain and everything. So the Cardassians we are seeing, of course, have really thought of everything when it comes to kidnapping and torture. They're just like showing the kids it like that kid's been around to torture her and kidnap her whole life. You know, like Stranded is just really in their wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Don't let the Frankie get a hold of that instrument because they'll sell it, and who knows? Do do it. I mean, yeah, it might just not be for pain. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. there is there is one in uh, Buran has one in Gambit later, so maybe this is the off brand uh, Chinese <laughs> yeah. knockoff version of the Cardassian one. Yeah, mind my test store version. He's got yeah. more. He's got more implants in him than you know. It's like every. Yeah, he's just got you know Borg implants. He's got pain implants. He's got he's just full and full yeah, of metal. That's true. We didn't even. You talk can't about get an MRI. Before. No way. <laughs> no. Can't like, go I'm just thinking like now how Picard is like literally a, a monkeyless. So I'm just thinking Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, he sure. needed that new body because he was getting yeah. packed full <laughs> of patchwork here. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So I, I really love Picard. I mean, who doesn't? This is a very famous Picard episode, um, yeah. but specifically thinking about it through a stranded point of view, because he's in a crisis situation. So you go into crisis mode. Remember your training, you know, is everything he's going through. He's probably had training about being in torture situations and he keeps his head throughout the entire episode. Mm -hmm. um, I, I noticed in the beginning when he's being taken away by the Cardassians, the goal, is it a Beck? What's his name? Yeah, I think it's Golovic. Golovic. Um, <laughs> he says, like, Picard, why are you struggling? You're wasting your energy. And I'm asking the same thing because in a lot of these stranded episodes, like, he's telling people, stay calm, mm -hmm. you know, don't freak out, don't panic. But I think he's, he, he, and then also he's yelling over and over again, like, I need to see a neutral representative mm -hmm. as demanded by the Cardassian Federation Treaty. You know, he's just sticking to what he's supposed to say, trying to handle this as professionally as possible, even when he's being treated like absolute trash. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's funny. He's really he's really calm and courteous, and he doesn't do the thing that they tell you to do uh, in like modern uh, militaries that Riker does when he's kidnapped by Buran and his gang. Just you know, say his name, rank, serial number, that th kind of thing. Like he's he's calm, he's courteous to the guy that has him. He knows he's in danger, but he ends up just sort of like talking to this guy, and that uh, pretty much defines, as you said, like his reaction to this. Later, he's being you know, horribly tortured and he's feeling pain and, and deprivation and hunger, but he is, he's almost, he's sort of breaking him too, without maybe, maybe meaning to. Um, it's just so powerful. Like at the end, uh, near the end of the episode where he's just yelling, like, you're six years old, you know, you're just that little boy still, uh, mm -hmm. as he's feeling that pain. Um, yeah. It just, uh, he's has an incredible presence of mind to get through a situation like that. And that, that's how he was keeping his mind sharp by basically just creating another image of his torturer so that he can't be affected by the torture. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I yeah. guess, really, maybe that's the Starfleet way. I don't really know. But, uh, you know, I think what kind of struck me, especially about this episode, was, you know, I just don't know what you, what you all are saying so far, um, is for Picard, it's really very much about keeping his dignity intact throughout the entire process here because they're literally mm -hmm. trying mm -hmm. to strip away his humanity. They're saying, you're no longer going to be referred to as Picard. I'm just going to call you human. And they strip him mm. of his clothes. Literally, they're stripping him of his clothes. They're hanging him by his arms. They're trying to completely dehumanize him. And uh, to get kind of pretentious here, it kind of reminds me of a book uh, called uh, A Day in the Life of Ivan, D uh, Ivan D Denisovich. And uh, it's about mm. a Russian gulag. And there's like this one character in particular that I'm thinking of. But uh, the whole book really, it's, very, it's pretty much about, you know, a bunch of people in Russia working in like a, a labor camp. And um, the kind of torture and their life that they go through. And there's this one character that... that um, Basically, it's this older guy. He's been there probably forever. He's never going to get out of there anytime soon. He's going to probably die there. He has, like, no teeth in his head left. He's just a little old frail man. But when he goes to eat his meal every day, he still eats it slowly, savoring every bite. Like, you know, he doesn't have any teeth, but he's just gumming the bread that he gets, dipping it in the water, and just, like, enjoying it and savoring it because uh, he refuses to let himself be overtaken by his captors. Mm. And uh, that kind of reminded me of, especially seeing, like, Picard eat. Like, yeah, Picard wolfed down some of that food because it had been probably quite a lot of time since he had anything to eat, but still he was managing to have like an actual conversation with his captors and at that point also questioning him and yep. to humanize himself to his captor so that this way you know they can do whatever they want to him but it's still going to be a person in front of him as much as they're trying to strip away that identity his captors will know uh, no i actually am still jean-luc picard despite what you're doing to me so uh there's so much as a dignity and strength and just unrelated to just as an episode like i, I don't know if this is my number one of all time definitely top five all time and watch this I watched both of them together side by side, both part one and two. Oh my God. I, you know, every time you watch, you just forget how good this one is. And especially just like David Warner and Patrick Stewart side by side. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, you can't, you can't yeah. beat that. Can't beat that at all. It was beautiful. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh. It's funny because it's a two-parter, but it almost doesn't need to be a two-parter necessarily. Do you know what I mean? Like it picks up, and of course, obviously, we're finishing off the Jellico and the sort of brinksmanship of the of the earlier plot. But it could have just started with Picard, you know, hanging from a thing, and we don't know how he got there. Maybe a blue mm. monolith brought him there. We don't know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, yeah. And they just sort of play out the scenario still. And if, if far, as far as um you said about his dignity i think that that was you know a really great observation it, his his taunt one of his taunts to um to Golovek is the idea of having a full belly but an empty spirit and, mm -hmm. he, and he really just starts to sort of like break down like cardassia's idea of themselves and what they became after the war um something that obviously we'll all become very familiar with you know later in ds9 but even now they're kind of planting those seeds i thought that was really interesting absolutely yeah, and it makes the build up it makes the build up to when 
uh, Golovec finally calls him Picard so much sweeter because yeah. mm -hmm. well, that's the moment he finally got in my head. He's like, just shut up, Picard. And he's like, mm -hmm. ha -ha, yeah. you call me Picard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think another thing that Picard is so masterful at is waiting people out and that patience really serves him so well as a captain. And especially when he's being taken captive and being tortured and everything, I think that Golovec really wanted him to react very much more viscerally, viscerally than Picard did and yeah. so that starts to irritate him and so it's kind of like when you just wait someone out and they fill the silence and fill it fill it fill it you just kind of just chill and wait for them to be done and soon enough they're like spilling their childhood story to you like Golovic right. did right. you know because he wanted so desperately for Picard to be more interactive with him and to like really just you know either be like spitting at him or just angry or like really sad and depressed or whatever but Picard because of that dignity did not let any of really that show besides beyond like physical reactions, of course, to things. But I right. love that. It's the patience too, that he can just wait people out, especially tormentors like Golovec. That's something the first thing that uh, Cardi David Warner said to uh, Picard was that uh, this is going to be a challenge. And that's what he wanted. He wanted the challenge. He was seeking Picard out specifically to do this to him because as much as it was meant to be torture for the sake of the Cardassian empire and, you know, whatever is happening, in terms of the whole war, essentially, the whole war effort. No, this is actually personal for him. He made it personal. So it was mm -hmm. always going to be a one-on-one -on -one battle. It had nothing to do with their, their warring nations, their warring factions. It was always just going to be one versus one. Yeah. yeah, it's a totally vain exercise. They gave him the the truth serum, you know, at the beginning. So he probably told them everything he knew already without knowing yeah. it. And it's just completely Golovec, whatever his problem is, wanting to, to break this guy. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. This yeah, is not, I, it's good. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I just wanted to say that uh, this is one of several episodes that we're talking about today where Picard kind of strands himself. He kind of like has the ability to get out of a situation but puts himself back in it or like chooses not to leave a situation in which he would be trapped somewhere. And I think that that, I don't know what that means, but I just kind of noticed that. Like Golovec just says, oh, you can go. And I mean, it's a taunt, but he doesn't even take advantage of it. He's just like, no, I'm staying here. I need to know more. I'm going to see this see this to the see this out so i don't know what that means maybe it's his fault that he's stuck in these situations sometimes yeah aaron i'm so glad you mentioned that because i was literally just thinking about how he could have left but golovec said like we we have beverly crusher so right uh, we'll yeah. just torture her next and i think that yeah. picard definitely has a bit of a like reckless captain streak even though he's sort of supposed to be this buttoned up like oh i always follow the rules when it comes to his yeah. crew and his people like he will always sacrifice himself yeah. for anyone else even though Riker tells him again and again no you're the captain <laughs> you have to yeah. stay on the bridge and like yeah. not you have to stay alive for everyone but when push comes to shove he's always going to be putting himself in the line of fire and i think that means getting captured a lot and taking the brunt of that you know we'll see later like the, like you're saying there's a lot of instances where he will <laughs> put himself in the situation i think it's truly just him ensuring that like all of that horribleness goes on to him and not any of his crew yeah he's got an artificial heart for a reason he's yeah. ultimate ultimately he's a man of action he's a guy who uh, jumps into the fray when he has to yeah yeah Absolutely. So true. I also think that he, um, shoot, I was going to say, um, shoot, Matthew, if you had something to say, go for it. It flew away. I'll buy you some time. I'll just, yeah. I'll just ask, uh, how many Cardassians does it take to screw in four light bulbs? <laughs> Five. <laughs> Don't you start. Don't you start. <laughs> Five lights. I was, I was going to say, thank you, Matthew, that jogged my memory. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. 
I was going to say that I think something in the back of his head too, while he's able to keep himself like very present is the fact that this could be a very public situation that happening because situation that's happening because um, like he's being kidnapped by a major empire. Like the Cardassians are not some like random people we don't know anything about. Like this is a really big deal. What's happening. It's on the very high levels of Starfleet. And so I think partially why he's not trying harder to escape is that he knows I will be rescued and I will get out of the situation. I'm not going to be killed. You know, that the Cardassians don't want to actually start a war that blatantly. Mm -hmm. So I think he's kind of saying, okay, let's just, let's go for it. And I'll just try to survive and have faith that Starfleet's going to come get me at some point. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really good point. And something we're going to see really similarly in Gambit, like that's crazy. He's just always, which I love the writers when they like, are like okay this consistently happens so we're just going to keep it going you know because really we do see these threads of all of this in this these stranded episodes of Picard's behavior when it comes to him being you know chipped and kidnapped and all of this crazy stuff yeah absolutely I want to do a quick uh, comment update we have a fight going on about uh, (laughs) Jellicoe so please (laughs) contribute to that if you have anything to say um uh let's see uh julian asked if i'm drinking german beer very important to the pod i am um this <laughs> nice. is a hofbrau original i was trying to go for the ale theme for picard giving it nice yeah um i went a little too german but that's okay um yeah, like a klingon word really hofbrau. yeah 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 I wanted to say really quick that like I'm not like a Jellico stan like a lot of people are, and mm-hmm. I don't really understand. I guess I understand, but I don't necessarily agree with uh, everybody. I think Ronnie Cox's portrayal of Jellico is incredible, and he is, you know, he's obviously a great actor and a great villain. But he, I think that he's there in the episode, you know, to be a foil and to show the contrast between Picard's leadership and uh, Angelico's leadership and even just like Riker's kind of watchful eye and the way that he would have run things as well and um ultimately he does you know solve the situation with Riker's help without Riker being such a good shuttle pilot you know there is no solution uh and does get Picard back but that thing at the end where uh, he asks him or, or near the end where he asks him to do the thing and he's just yeah. so he's so shattered to have to ask uh Riker to do this and Riker says you know you're welcome and Riker's twisting the knife yes, a little bit I love that but yeah. only somebody as petty and arrogant as Jellico could be chastened by somebody saying you're welcome to him you know yeah. like Jellico needs to get over himself uh, I think yeah I love when Riker just says you could have just asked like I would have done it anyway you didn't yeah. have to order me like oh yeah legend <laughs> I love yeah. Riker I love that battle of wills between them and getting to see you're exactly right. It's just seeing the opposites between Jellicoe and Picard and how Picard just harvests such a like wonderful environment for his crew, even if he is a little more strict and maybe they don't have as much of a like found family trope as TOS did, you know, it's not as campy with their relationships. Jellicoe's not interested in that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's not at all interested in any kind of like camaraderie. (laughs) Put Jellicoe in the leotard, have him do it. I'd love to see the episode where Jellicoe is being tortured by Gullivac and see the the battle of wills. Just hanging. Yeah. Yeah. It was a different episode. Stranded Jellico. Maybe that's our series next year. We'll do a Stranded Jellico. Stranded Jellico. Thank <laughs> Jellico week. Oh, God. <laughs> that's the most cursed thing. Nice. Best way to get no followers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I think let's go on to Gambit. There are a lot of similar themes running through these two yeah. episodes. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. one. Okay. So you have to tell me, maybe I missed something in the first couple minutes, but it's, it starts off where Riker and I think it's Crusher and a, like the crew is basically in this like CD Star Wars bar trying to figure out um, if they've seen Picard, they have each of them, they're all various stories. And then we find out that Picard has been killed da, 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 before the intro. Um, ultimately, like he's not, we end up seeing him 20 minutes later in part one. And he is a, like, he's on this ship. He's analyzing uh, Romulan, supposedly, artifacts, looking for a certain, um, like, uh, like signal coming from them for this captain. And he, again, here we go. This is the third uh, episode where he has a little thing in his neck. And um, so he's controlled. He could be like really injured or killed if he acts up around this captain. But okay, my question is like, was Picard on on holiday? Like wh- why, how did he get into this situation in the first place? Because I feel like it's a really brushed over. Um, it's shocking when we see him on this ship because Riker has now been captured also. So we have a double captured. Um, But I'm (laughs) just wondering like what's going on Was Picard on shore leave and then he got captured and then he's just like on the ship. He didn't try to escape or signal to anyone or was he already on a mission sanctioned by the Enterprise? I just, I I don't know what's happening in this one. I think Starfleet owed him one after chain of command. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was just (laughs) taking a break. Yeah. Uh, he was right. on his way to a conference. Uh, oh, that's okay. Classic. When all, Always. When all the bad things happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's more dangerous being a red shirt or like going to a conference. <laughs> like, yeah. It's really, really, really bad. Yeah. So, um, hi, Giraffe. I see that uh, Giraffe just came into the chat. <laughs> She's not oh, stranded. So. And Donnie's yeah. talking about uh, the Star Wars reference in uh, The Final Frontier, of course. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, I love a good old cantina scene. Um, yeah, and this one is really interesting because it does have a different feel from the rest of Restorated episodes. It does feel more like, oh, we've got sort of a rogue Picard like situation. We don't know where he is for half the episode. And we apologize because this was not in our Death Vague Out series, even though he's definitely like presumed dead for quite a bit of the uh, first half, but it just missed us. And so it was really fun to see this episode again, because I think I'd seen it when I was like in middle school, maybe (laughs) the last time. So um, very important episode for Picard, especially because he kind of just gets into his mode again and just starts being badass. You know, he starts masterminding the hell out of the situation and figuring out all of the different pieces and learning along the way that like, this is a very tangled web <laughs> that they're weaving here. And I am just so impressed with this episode. I did not remember it. It's an interesting um, dynamic as well. Like having Riker also be kidnapped seems like a hat on a hat, but having the dynamic of you could have just had Picard playing the role of Galen and trying to fool these guys, but then you bring Riker in as well. And so they're sort of playing a game with each other while, you know, trying to play off the guys that are there. And it gets really, you can see why they need two episodes to like figure everything out. Cause it gets really tangled. Like he's going to pretend to do this and then he's going to do this, but he'll be mad. Then we'll let him go back to his ship, which has got to be the dumbest uh, mercenary thing ever. Let's let Riker go back to the enterprise. (laughs) Uh, But then, then like somehow like it'll seem like he's killed and then they'll believe that. And then he can go back to the enterprise. And so eventually it all works itself out, but. It's uh, I think it's it's a lot more interesting than just having Picard be captured and have to try to 
um they already kind of did this with like um was it Troy the Troy episode where she um uh, Romulan. To, yeah. Yeah, it goes undercover mm -hmm. as a Romulan. It's kind of like that, but they add another little bit more spice, some Riker spice. Yes. It's very much like very very much double jeopardy in this case. It's like basically yeah. it's like a spy episode, really. It's like yeah, all sorts of crazy stuff, like you mentioned, you know, the, the web getting more and more tangles to go along with this one. That's yeah. what makes it such a good episode, also. A good pair of episodes. You know, like 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 Aaron said previously, uh, when we were talking about Chain of Command, like it's almost like two different episodes. Um, but this one here, like you very much have to have them side by side because it is like its own movie, really. This is this basically could have been a Star Trek movie. Yeah. And yeah. Also got Richard Lynch is like the main bad guy who is like the king of schlocky villains. So I mean, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was really thinking this had movie stakes, and um, especially when um oh my poor thoughts just flying away. Oh, oh, oh I want to talk about Riker because we haven't brought him up yet that much um in this episode, but Poor, poor Riker. When Picard gets stranded or goes missing or whatever's happening to him, oh, Riker, obviously he's showing his best self by taking command of the Enterprise, being a great first officer, but he's freaking out. And I think in this episode, he's freaking out the most because he is like hellbent on revenge to figure out what happened to Picard. And I love it, but I think it's really out of place. And it's it shows like how emotional Riker is about Picard and mm -hmm. I, I just thought the whole situation was fairly out of character for Riker and also for Starfleet because when he goes to ask permission to Starfleet like hey can I go investigate the death of Picard myself the guy's like sure we'll put you on detached leave which I've never heard of and he says your mission is at your discretion like what yeah. freedom do they have you know yeah. I mean, he he immediately gets captured then after that too. Yeah, right away. <laughs> I don't think it was super out of character though necessarily because like looking at some of these episodes we talked about today, for example, uh, like in the Legions, like it's Riker's emotions that starts to lead him down the path of thinking this isn't the right guy and confronting mm -hmm. him about it. Uh, we see it again in Chain of Command with him and Jellico. Like Riker is mm -hmm. someone that's very much not afraid to show his emotions, which mm -hmm. is why he's a great counterpart to Picard because Picard knows how to center himself for the most part. Uh, but Riker will go for the emotion first. He'll go for the gut instinct first. And in this case, uh, he is hit just like super hard by the loss of his mentor figure. And it's not just that he's like missing, because even in other episodes we're going to talk about as we go on in this episode here today, uh, you know, there's times where he's missing, but they know where he is. This time around, he thinks his mentor is legitimately killed. So yeah. like he's just now grieving, essentially. Uh, and, that, and he doesn't really know what to do with himself because his emotions are always so big to begin with. Now having to deal with that makes it just even bigger. Yeah. Yes. That, that yeah. spreads that spreads up the chain of command as well because now you know data puts the red shirt on and then Worf is second in command and he's lost his captain and his his big buddy as well. So you know it's no surprise that he's like, oh, I don't think that we should do that. Data has to be like, don't don't disagree with me when we're on the bridge. Okay. Yeah. I like that little <laughs> talk that he has to give him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Emotions yeah. are running high. They really are. And I think this is so important because it really does change the nature of how everyone leads and commands and how they mm -hmm. follow because Riker clearly there are some things that he's just not quite ready for that leadership role because he's relying so much on Picard and because I think he kind of uses him as a crutch sometimes. And so when mm -hmm. that crutch is gone and he's put in command when Picard is like presumed dead or being tortured or whatever the situation, like he falls apart. And so I think this is really indicative of his character and of his growth, you know, that he kind of mm -hmm. needed to grow past Picard in order to get his command with the Titan and everything. Like I love, love Riker, but I do think that he is held back a little bit by his love for Picard and and who wouldn't be like to be that, that devoted to Picard um, and to understand his sort of nuances and his kind of grumpiness sometimes, or just like, 
abruptness, you know, to really understand him as a character and as a person, like Riker has to be so devoted and he really is. And so I think it's very sweet almost in a way to see Riker just losing his absolute shit. Like every time Picard goes missing, because it's really showing like, this is his one sort of weak spot, you know, and it's, it's a, it's definitely a glaring one. And I think it's not super out of character for Riker. I think he's just kind of falls apart when, when his like, yeah, his, like you said, his mentor. So it's really cool to see though in this episode how when they're together again they are just unstoppable team like i do not mm-hmm. at any point feel worried about them not getting out of the situation like they are just such a good duo and like we've seen in other episodes can literally communicate without talking to each other so that is just brilliant to see there's yeah. something in improv yeah yeah, <laughs> literally. Right. yeah. <laughs> all of Picard's time <laughs> in Beverly's play is really paying off right now. <laughs> and Riker too. He's had a lot Riker of acting. Too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Riker almost had his Rios moment where he loses his captain. It could have just destroyed him forever. So thank yeah, goodness true. he survived. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. 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 So I think let's turn again back to Picard because I think of him as playing like three dimensional chess on in this episode. He is thinking about every single person on the ship, this um, supposed Romulan, the captain, all the people who are basically like indentured servants to the captain. Um, and then when Riker comes on board, he's like, this is awesome. I know what to do now. I have a plan to try to get out of the situation. Uh, so what are your thoughts about how Picard basically like navigates all of these people and how does it how does it play out for him it was so cool seeing him manipulate everybody without them even realizing they were being manipulated because yes. it's not just that picard is playing the character he's you know he's yes ending everything <laughs> and he's basically giving riker his own character to play as well riker's all for it like, like the minute riker gets beamed on picard creates the dilemma that only riker can conveniently solve i mean it's just he's setting up all the pieces on the table he knows where he wants to get to really the only uh thing he has to worry about is uh, I forgot her name, but the the Vulcan played or the Romulan rather played by Robin Curtis. Like mm-hmm. that's really the only variant that he doesn't really know what to do with, and he can't manipulate. But everything mm-hmm. else, I mean, they are just his pawns. He's doing whatever he wants. He and once he does actually can get, you know get control back of the ship, like he just turns right back into Picard. He's no longer Galen. Like now he is just himself. Um, the, yeah. the game is over. The cards are on the table. They still know he is someone else, but yeah. now he can basically just be himself and run the game. Yeah, it, it's he's an impressive actor, as we know, Patrick Stewart, but had that difference between his Galen voice and his kind of bearing and then him, oh, Brown's gone. All right, I'm just Picard now. This was really interesting in the episode. There is a point, though, when he's talking to Riker and they're deep into this where he's like, I can't remember who I'm supposed to be. Are we doing this? Are we doing that? Like he has to, to kind of keep it all straight. That's why method yeah, acting I- is so hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, truly. It definitely gets more complex. And the so the Romulan, who we think, is actually a Vulcan named Tapal with like T-A-P-A-A-L. Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> close to Tapal. I had to do a double take and I turned on subtitles. I was like, what did they say? Is yeah. that Hegel's <laughs> ancestor? Like, what's going on? And there was also Commander um, in this one, too. I, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was literally like, is that Chicote? What's happening? Yeah. thought that was funny. Uh, I, I love once Picard gets into her good graces when she tells him oh i'm a vulcan security officer and i'm investigating these logic extremists which i love to see that like zoom out into the wider world of the federation and um and vulcan because we love stories here about vulcan um and so by her confessing her truth picard says okay well i'm the captain of the enterprise and and now he has two people like two go-betweens on the ship i'm thinking this captain has absolutely no chance of succeeding (laughs) 
at yeah. this point. Like it was already a done deal with just him and Riker, but now he has someone else on the inside. And that's ultimately what saves him is because so Riker's finally back on the Enterprise and Picard sends a message to him that says, make sure you rendezvous with the Vulcans and tell them not to attack their own ship when the raiding ship is going to uh, like the logic extremist part of Vulcan. And that is what signals to the Romulan or to the, there's so many, again, I'm in a tangled web. But that's what ultimately uh, clues in the Vulcans and everyone that actually she is one of the extremists herself. And she wants this special artifact to control and uh, manipulate people like with her mind by using this artifact. It's kind of a cheesy ending to the episode. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I was excited by uh, its wide uh, like depth into the Star Trek universe. Yeah. I just think it's so funny that there's some, something out there called a logic extremist also. Like that yeah. alone is just the most Star Trek thing ever. Amazing. Yeah. And there's, it's so many series. Like I love that TNG dives into this because we're going to see it in Enterprise and Discovery. And so it's really cool that I didn't know that it had sort of like a base here in TNG and in this episode and what's going to be the fight for the like Kirshara later on in Enterprise. So I was like, this is so cool. I love getting more Vulcan lore and the fact that we get to see Picard finessing again, like sort of a great a great solution to a seemingly impossible problem. Like this literal Vulcan ex logic extremist has a weapon, a telepathic weapon, and he still defeats her by peace and by like tranquil thoughts and just by like embodying the Federation, like how cheesy, but beautiful, you know, at the same time, it's so Star Trek. And I absolutely love that it goes through Worf and we're all kind of worried like, oh my gosh, is Worf going to get killed? <laughs> yeah. like, he has violent thoughts, but of course, yeah. you know, he can have these like moments of peace and he knows really what it is to like how great peace is and how like important it is for the Federation and everything. And Riker, of course, is just chilling. Like it just passes right through him. And so it was really like, what a fun ending to such a long time for Picard to be stranded. I think this is one of our longest <laughs> strandings for him. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think even as he's like playing this character of Galen, he still is retaining very much a lot of the elements of who Picard actually is as a character. Like, yeah, at times Galen is belligerent and he's, you know, slapping Riker, but uh, for the most part, he's still actually being very diplomatic. Yeah. Uh, just a little more assertive, I guess, if anything. More, more aggressive, I guess, is a better term in this case. But yeah, he, he still knows how to solve problems by being himself, just putting an accent on it, basically. Yeah. Much better accent than he did in Picard uh, season one. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, much better. <laughs> uh, I also want to say Raiding Party of Five, which I think Picard says at one point. That's like my favorite band title ever. Like, I call that right now. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. <laughs> it's my new trivia name. Like, it's fine. <laughs> that's epic. I love it. All right. How are we feeling? Are we ready to go on to our third section of our kidnapping? Mm. <laughs> our sure. subsection? Yeah. Yeah. Temba, my arm's wide open. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, this is our taken by surprise, angst for the happy ending section. So we are going to be talking first about Garmok and the just wonderfulness of this epic stranding of an episode. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh this this section is interesting because it's like species kidnap Picard and like for for a reason. And so with Darmok, it's very much not planned. 
um, they have a run into, and I'm so sorry. What's the species name? I'm, oh, the Tamarians. The Tamarians. Oh, thank you. I'm a, I thought the a children fail. of Tama. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So they, they run into the Tamarians <laughs> and they have no way of understanding what they're saying because even though they're using English words, like the trans translator is working. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, they're communicating by metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> the best so, line. Yeah. yeah. So they, de- they decide the Tamarians are like, okay, let's do Darmok. Darmok always works. Let's put it. Let's put the few captains down there um, and have a beast. And hopefully uh, we will be enemies to lovers by the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) The beast is static animal killers. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is kind of, this is definitely a unique stranding episode because it definitely is a kidnapping at first, but it's like a well-intentioned kidnapping. You know, I love those. I love the fact that this is really just to try to figure out a language barrier to the extreme. Like he will die for this. And he actually, Dathan does end up dying in this episode for the just bridging of that barrier. And that is the most Starfleet shit I've ever seen. Like it's beautiful to see that Dathan will do the beast at Tanagra and the Darmok on the ocean. Like they will reach that common ground. And I think Picard again is just showing his badassery here and showing his ability to wait patiently. You know, they wait for so long by the fire and he's just getting snippets of information and trying to understand like, what is tempo? Like, what are, is that, are you giving me something like his arms wide, you know, and Picard, because he has such a brilliant mind and such a like artistic mind, you know, that he is able to sort of think about it in maybe less of a logical way and more of a like artistic and like, Oh my gosh, He's, he's speaking in metaphor. It's kind of reminds me when like, you know, seven of nine is able to identify, oh, they're speaking in this binary language or data is something like that, because like, that's more what their like mind goes to. And Picard is more mm-hmm. the artist and the lover and like that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, he's got that passion. And so I think yeah. that also helps him to understand the language better. I was thinking about the fact that I, I don't think, I'm trying to think of any other franchise that could have pulled off something not only like this, but specifically the middle act of the episode is just these guys sitting there by the fire, not talking to each other and basically talking to themselves. And it, it's it's down to Patrick Stewart. It's down to Paul Winfield. But would anybody else even attempt to try and do something like this? Where Picard is just trying to say, is it this? Is it that? Oh, I don't tell a story. Okay, here we go. Uh, and Kidu and Gilgamesh. And just having this just like such a small scale thing. Now, later they fight, you know, an electric triceratops because, you know, it's Star Trek. But that's one of the reasons that I love Star Trek so much is because it can get away with something like this. And this was, you know, was this the first episode of, of, uh, or the second episode of the the fifth season? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a thing they always talk about in Star Trek, um, growing the beard, right? When the show starts to mature. But for me, like, I always like, I call it sewing the jacket. Uh, when Picard gets that t- dumb velvet jacket thing with the with the gray shirt, you know, uh, and I think that happens here. Like this is where we start to see like the show really mature in terms of there what, it is the, <laughs> yeah, the, the the stories that that it can tell that aren't just you know pew pew space stuff, you know, or a weird alien like this. It's just just so creative. Uh, this type of episode, I don't know, I love it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I I think also it stands out as a stranded episode because he's not trying really to survive. I think he trusts the process and the situation to say, okay, I maybe I can't light a fire, but I'm not going to die here. I well, hopefully um, he's saying he's not going to starve to death. You know, he's not like trying to find a water source, which you probably mm-hmm. should have, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. survival skills, not so good in this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not quite priority. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I think what's cool though is really Picard kind of found his equal, and uh, I think mm-hmm. I kind of get lost a little bit here too because basically, yeah, Dathan kind of does like probably what, something similar that Picard would try and do, and that's trying to bridge the gap uh, in the most human to human way possible, the most one on one way, the most intimate way to get somebody to understand what's happening because it's you know the way they speak is just literally out of this world. But I mean, yeah, it's it's so bizarre compared to anything else they've come across in this universe. So yeah, I mean, Dathan's willing to go the distance; he's willing to put his life on the line, just like Picard has done. Uh, so many times throughout the series. I mean, like I'm just thinking now, since we mentioned earlier, uh, the one where he goes to Mintaka three, and he basically says, like, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a god. Shoot me with an arrow. See what happens. <laughs> like he's willing yeah. to put himself out there. Dathan mm-hmm. is doing the exact same thing, and it's kind of just really beautiful watching that. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, this is like one of my top episodes of all time of TNG. Like this, like Aaron was saying, like this is kind of like peak sci-fi. Yeah. This is high art sci-fi right here. This is like what yeah. we aspire to be, and. Uh, such a beautiful episode. Everything about it was amazing. Paul Winfield, the late Paul Winfield. Uh, that's the guy I wish I could have, could have had on my show. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, he does, a, does an amazing job also. Like, so many subtle things that he does start his performance as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a whole different podcast. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I love what happens here. I just love the fact that really Picard met his best friend. And it's unfortunate that he had to meet his demise the way mm-hmm. it happened. Because it would have been, man, yeah, just the fan fiction could have written about those two. Seriously, and probably are written. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Do it, cowards! Yeah. Children of Thomas series. Let's see it. Come on, <laughs> let's go. Paramount Plus. Yeah. Well, and I think this really highlights what you're saying, Matthew. Like this, the stranded elements really highlight those really human, and um, I shouldn't say human, but like those really important emotional moments between two characters. You know, I think we all need to basically. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, it it's a way for them to take them out of their normal environment and force them to talk, you know, and we're going to see this with uh, Picard and Wesley later on and Picard and Beverly here very soon. And I think that it's something so unique than maybe him and Dathan just sitting in a conference room, you know, there's no ultimate stakes here. And so that's why, of course, he did the Beast of Tanagra and did Darmok and Jalad. So I think that was just heightening those stakes really bring out the more emotional sides of people. And that's also what makes such a dynamic and electric episode is to see them like truly fighting for their lives and willing to die for this cause. Like, wow, what a, what a combo. Yeah. And yeah. they're both, it's, it's so on brand for Star Trek because they're both the most noble people, you know, from their representative uh, from uh, civilizations, but they're also like, instead of like the Cardassians want one thing and the Federation wants something else and they can't agree, they literally can't talk to each other. And so it breaks it down to that very base idea of reacting with, um, anger or an instinct of self-preservation uh, when you're confronted with the other. And uh, the key ultimately is them overcoming those natural you know, base instincts to make a connection uh, with each other. And it's such a creative way to do that other than just having, you know, oh, well, they're arguing this treaty of this or we're, we've got a dispute over that. You know, it's just, um, it's so creative. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but like watch this again now too. Uh, it's, it kind of reminds you of, of like if you guys have ever read a clockwork orange like the actual mm-hmm. book for it and like how it starts off you don't know what's happening you don't understand a single word they're saying but as you're immersed in it you start understanding and like <laughs> you know first time you watch a darn you have no idea what's happening 
And then you watch it again. And like, as soon as all the uh, Temerians are on screen on their ship talking, you know what they're saying now. And that's so right. cool. We've, been, uh, we've all been immersed in this metaphorical language and we know what they're saying. And it's like, uh, that's kind of just the beauty of, I guess, the ways that people can communicate. Like even something as nonsensical as this, we now understand as a language. We could probably, if we want to do this rest of the episode that way, we probably could. We're not <laughs> Shaka indeed. Yes. <laughs> I think it is inspiring just to see like how, like really all it takes to be able to communicate with someone is a willingness to listen to each other. And I think that's one mm -hmm. of my favorite takeaways from this episode is they're both trying so hard to figure out one another. It's just, it's just beautiful. And another example of a culture that just goes a hundred percent in. <laughs> Full send in it. Halfway. Yeah. They said, let's go, let's do Darmok. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. Their eyes uncovered. Exactly. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Well, so, I think let's go on to Attached. This is season seven, episode eight. This mm -hmm. Wow, this is a lovely episode. This is like a classic Star Trek where you like stranded with someone you got a crush on. <laughs> right, right. Let's what happens. Um, so Picard and Beverly are, be they are beamed out of the Enterprise and uh, no one can find them for whatever reason. They Were they beamed into space? No, they're alive and well. Uh, but there is a like... There's a civil war. There's two warring factions going on on this planet, and um, they have been captured by the species that is not in communication with the Enterprise. And so Picard and Beverly wake up. Oh, uh, here we go. Device. In device. The I forgot there's a fourth device. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So this is actually four devices. Yeah. Out, of, yeah. out of eight episodes we're talking about today, there are half of them. <laughs> Our neck or like, you know, side, side device. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So wow. essentially, like as the episode goes on, their brainwaves have been calibrated to these devices, which means that they can read each other's thoughts. And so they are eventually released pretty quickly by the faction that is um, like talking to the Enterprise. And they go down this mountain path trying to find their way to freedom on the other plot. Uh, Riker's freaking out and trying, as usual, <laughs> trying to get uh, them back and uh, have some diplomatic relationship with this whole planet. Um but yeah, okay, let's talk about Attached. I, I think this is a, a great stranded episode. But again, similar to Darmok, it's not so much about like we have to find food and shelter. This is another thing like, okay, let's trust the process. We've been released from this prison. So I assume we will be found at some point. We have a big starship up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, there's an alliance too. Sorry, just quickly yeah. with the Kess. So that helps yeah. that they know at least one side is hopefully looking for them. This is another situation where it's like, do we really want to like have these people in the Federation? Like they, uh, I'm not sure exactly what they're, it's just a side kind of theme or note that they're going with, but showing the increasing paranoia of these two uh, cultures and, but in a comical way, because every time Riker goes back into that room, there's just more crap, sci-fi crap piling up in there. Yeah, uh, like for some those, reason. What is it? Like those things you touch your hand on and like, let you yeah, like it's Spencer's <laughs> goods. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, it's at this point, like in season seven and a lot of season seven episodes are like this, but it's really just about these characters. We've spent so much time with these characters and I have to imagine that the writers must have asked themselves, are there any unanswered questions for these characters? Are there any things that uh, we need to like wrap up or explore before we shut the show down? And the connection, um, in this case, literal between Picard and Crusher, I think is, you know, that that's what we're looking at here. Um, and it's interesting to, for them to, to learn so much about each other, you know, and become so close. 
and then immediately go, all right, well, we're going to, we're going to get it on now. Right. That's, that's what we're going to do, obviously. And then they both sort of back off from that. Um, what, what did you guys think was, was the reasoning there? Um, not necessarily in the world of the characters, but like in the world of the writers, like don't get these, we can't get these two together. It'll spoil something. Or why do you think that they ultimately diverged? Give us the OTP, you cowards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, Seriously. it's kind of like, you know, this yeah. episode is literally like a means to an end. Cause it basically was to solve that question of what is the deal with Beverly and yeah. Picard. And uh, yeah, we didn't really get a great resolution. It's kind of BS. Um, I don't yeah. know what time it was. <laughs> like, they, they set up this entire thing just for that conversation. That's literally the only reason this episode exists is just for that. And then they give us the most lackluster syndicated TV ending possible. Cause last <laughs> bit, they make a dramatic change in TNG that would affect the rest of the series. No, we can't do that. So that's gotta be the only reason why they decided meh. Cause well, if someone tunes in next week and they miss this one, they won't know that they're now a couple. So that's right. gotta be yeah. the logical reason that they would have done that. Yeah, yeah. The whole reset. Yeah. And yet that's they have Troy and Worf together for a couple. Yeah. Episodes. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like, it seems like they were too scared to dive completely in. And so they kind of made the mistake of going half in and then like, oh, shit, shit, like backing up the last minute. And so I think that it that's where the episode suffers the most, because as MC Froda says here, the comments like Star Trek episodes when they're fan fiction tropes like this totally could have been a great like, you know, oh, there's they're sharing, you know, brain literal brain waves like they're sharing that brain cell. They are right. like, like thinking right. for each other. So so connected and attached that um, the fact that they don't grow beyond something more than friendship here is just like endlessly bizarre to me because it feels almost like like a queer bait but they're straight so like you don't even have to do that you know it felt like yeah like what is this weird like straight bait we never get different shows but it's i guess a jadeway and chakotay thing as well um so i was gonna mention that too yeah it's like the same thing but it's like jadeway chakotay makes more sense and they set up so much better me and there was never really a romance between them this was like maybe the chance to toss it at the fans but in this case it's like from the first episode from the pilot of encounter at farpoint we knew there was something between these two characters yeah it on for seven seasons Sprinkle it a little bit here and there everywhere, and then they just give us this as our ending. And uh, yeah, Picard, yeah. season three, you you better fix this. Yeah, if this, well, yeah, in, in uh, all good things, and that's erased, and so it's yeah. just like ah, it's maddening. Yeah, if this had happened, if this episode had happened in season three or season four, I think it would have been a good way to finally explain for the audience, you know, what the connection was between them, and then I can see them being like, not only are they feel closer romantically but they also feel closer in terms of their friendship and ultimately they don't want to ruin their friendship and they have these unresolved feelings and so we sort of understand more okay that's kind of what's going on and then if we have something a different episode in season seven where they do get together or say no we're not going to get together but to have it happen so late like i'm glad that they got around to this eventually but i just feel like it would have felt better earlier uh in the in the run of the series Thank you, Aaron. I feel the exact same way. I think this was this is a perfect springboard for mm-hmm. something else to develop. And I would have, have expected that in the last couple episodes of the whole entire series. Yeah. And I'm just thinking that because this episode was directed by Jonathan Frank then by Jonathan Frakes. I, mm-hmm. I think he's playing the long game. I I think <laughs> That something's going to happen in season three, <laughs> finally. Um, <laughs> I mean, they did set up this whole cue plot to, like, get Picard ready for love. You know, like, all of season two was meant for Picard to, like, Mars, finally Laris, emotionally yeah. Yeah. open up. So yeah. hopefully that is for for Bev. But also, I understand if she didn't want to wait that long, you know? Like, he has been sort of, he was back and forth with her. And I think she was initially, eventually the one to sort of 
end that uh, she was the one who pulled away. And, and Picard did say like, for so long, I had kind of loved you. And I felt so guilty because Jack Crusher was in your life. And then Jack Crusher mm -hmm. was dead. And uh, there's so much baggage wrapped up with the two of them. So I think maybe from a writer's perspective, they're also thinking like this would just be too much emotionally, at least for Picard and especially for, especially for Picard. I think Beverly of course has different feelings about her and her relationship with Jack and Picard are so different that I don't think she conflates them as much as Picard does with her, you know, yeah. cause his friendship with Jack was like super important and he was also kind of the cause of his death or at least he thinks that way. So it's so tangled and complicated that I think, maybe also the writers were like, this is too emotional. Like we can't touch this, you know, but either yeah. way, give us a straight answer. Not this like, well, we'll kiss. No, we won't. Bye. Let's be friends. I'll see you at breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, wasn't real, it wasn't even a real answer, honestly. I mean, yeah, yeah they, mm -hmm. they, kind of, they gave us not, they, they gave us less, <laughs> I think, by the end of the episode than they did when they started this episode out. Yeah, I, I think also it just shows that Picard is, a, I mean, well, well, Picard is ready. I do think if she had said yes, they would have gotten together in this episode. But I think his hesitation is also because he doesn't want the same thing to happen to Beverly that happened to Jack. Like, what if he has to send her as a uh, a CMO into a dangerous situation and she ends up getting killed? Then he's killed like two people he loves, like in the same way that that's yeah. the that's the sad part about being captains. You have to do stuff like that. Um yeah, I, I just want to say in the comments, we got a great uh, Bev love fest going on. Um, Julian saying this festival may go down as giving equal time to Bev as John Luke this year. <laughs> love that. Yeah. Um, and then MC says if they got Crusher Picard together here, they could have screwed Be Bev over in the movies. That's very, Ooh. that would be a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> very good point. But then if yeah. uh, MC goes on and says if they had gotten Picard and Crusher together in season seven, they wouldn't have been able to screw her over in the movies. Claire's and the writers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. True. <laughs> Absolutely. True. Yeah. I just want to add that if I had this uh, mental connection with the person that I was trapped on at the beginning of the podcast that we talked about, uh, I, I would. I want to change my answer a little bit because I think uh, Kira would walk away unscathed. Uh, I would be living home. So yeah, <laughs> you're 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 going to be stranded with. But uh, yeah, yeah. See, yeah. same. I think Janeway would be like, okay, let's be friends. And I'm like, are you sure though? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, please, yeah. <laughs> just think about it for a sec. Yeah, we're stranded on this planet and kissed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, so it turned out they were rescued. Um, Bev so kindly pushed Picard through the like little electric fence and he was, um, he, I think she was trying to save him, you know, not knowing uh, the situation, but she was rescued by the Kess, I believe, and then Picard was rescued by the other faction and everything turned out fine. They have their little closing talk and it's just leaving me waiting for season three. So let's just see what happens. Yep. Yeah, then yep. we can we can have a a discussion after just to you know, have cry with happiness or sadness. Never stranded reunion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Man. Well, yeah. now it's time to go to the actual um, stranded <laughs> section. We are done with kidnapping now. <laughs> This first episode we're talking about is Times Era Part 2, and Picard is not stranded for long, but I thought it was good to talk about because um, it it's a moment where he's like notably left back in time, um, and mm -hmm. his crew is not with him. So Times Arrow is the one with Mark Twain. <laughs> Data's head is found like underneath San Francisco. It's 500 years old. Part one deals with Guinan and uh, they go back in time and it turns out these like snake alien, they're aliens that have like a snake staff or yeah. um, trying to, to mess around with time. And so the crew ends up going back 
And then um, that's what we see mostly in part two. Riker's a policeman. They're rehearsing a play. It's it's wonderful. Love this episode. Um, but specifically, um, the antagonist, and I'm so sorry, I don't remember the names of the aliens. I don't know if anyone has those. They were pretty crappy them. aliens, to be fair. So they were aliens, if you want. Not memorable. They're just, yeah, nameless. Um, time snakes. Yeah, the, yeah, the time snakes. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> time, time, time snakes. That's a good Rick, band name, by the way. Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the time snakes, they have uh, appeared in this cave and they have this like surge of energy and uh, they open up a portal. And so the whole crew basically runs through to follow them back into the future. Uh, back to the future and Guinan has been injured and Mark Twain just yeets and he goes into the portal with the rest of the cast and so Picard and Guinan are trapped together in this cave 500 years in the past and it's a really nice moment because um, Picard is doing everything he can to protect Guinan and I think it's pretty awesome that he didn't go back in time even without knowing I'll necessarily be rescued or I could be stuck here. I just want to say, as uh, all of us being Star Trek figure collectors, uh, I, I feel like this was a missed opportunity to give us a Mark Twain action figure. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. This was great. I love it all. But um, yeah, where's my Mark Twain figure? Yeah, come on. I, I literally just ordered a Dathan figure. So like I'm, I'm collecting all the stranded people. So like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think this episode really, again, shows Picard's devotion to his crewmates and the people that he cares about, you know, and, and mm -hmm. we were just talking about him and Bev having these sort of like romantic moment. But I love Picard also getting these like pr platonic love moments, you know, with people. And we're going to see this in our next episode, in our final episode, we discuss but in this one, it's so special that he stayed back with Guinan because it really marks a like important period in their relationship for the both of them. You know, of course, Guinan from the from like Enterprise time is chilling in ten forward already knows all this. But Picard for him going back in time and like getting to meet Guinan who doesn't know him yet. It's such a like Doctor and River song, like they're meeting each other backwards kind of yeah. thing. Um, which is yeah, which yep. is kind of yeah, very wibbly wobbly. So it's it's cool to see that they still get to bond over this, even though Guinan is kind of like, I barely know you, but like you seem cool and like I can't believe you stayed back in time for me. And that like yeah, that marks such a solid point in their relationship for both of them, regardless of when they're experiencing it. Yeah. I love this kind of Jeremy Baramy stuff out there for anybody who knows the good place. Uh, I, I love when, like, yes, like best that. Yeah. I, like, I, I love these kinds of stories in general. Cause it's like getting from point A to point B, but also there's like point C is before point A and then point D also is in there somewhere. Uh, I just love how this episode is structured and yeah, it's, it's real wonderful just seeing like, I guess, the, you know, we're talking about the origins of the relationship with Guinan and, and Picard here. I mean, it's, it's so cool to see that happen. And uh, you know, I don't know how too many deep thoughts on this one. Honestly, I just love this one. It's just very wholesome. I mean, everything about it is just so wholesome. Uh, besides, you know, Data being sent back in time also, because Data is stranded first. I mean, that's really where this whole thing begins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Data, we will cover this in his stranded episode. But yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun to see everybody, like, do these different things. Uh, it's just such a wonderfully balanced ensemble episode. And, yeah, just, uh, I, I have nothing but good things to say about this one. It's funny that the uh, TOS crew gets uh, stuck in San Francisco in the 80s, and then uh, Picard and crew go to the 1880s of San Francisco. Um, I, something that I like about this episode and it's one of my favorite ways to tell time travel stories. There's a lot of different ways you can tell them, but I like the, the predestination one where anything that you're going to change has, is going to happen no matter what, you know, and time is like just a continuum. And so it's more about understanding why you made those choices and they, 
they have that, you know, specifically with Data's head, which apparently, you know, you can use a 600-year-old head on Data's body. So if you write that down, he's got a 600-year-old head now. Um, but I, I, I like the fact that even at the climax of it, you have to, it, it's brave that Picard did what he did to stay behind to be with Guinan, but you have to wonder if he maybe believed ultimately that he would be saved because there was no Picard skeleton down there with Data's head. Um, it doesn't make, make what he did less heroic, but, and then even when he's there, he's like, wait a minute, no, the head's there in the future. I look, I know how to do this. I'm a Starfleet guy. So he puts the message into Data's head. I, I really liked that idea knowing yeah. that Jordy would hook it up in the future and go, wait a minute, that's not supposed to be there. So, um, yeah, I just love like when, um, when they tell time travel stories like that, people sending messages to each other. Of course, Doctor Who has done this to death, especially in the recent era of Doctor Who, but I'm not sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, a not, great, very totally not sick great. of it yet. Yeah. And I think too, um, Riker sort of playing his role as well and being again, Riker freaking out when Picard is uh, stranded, even though it's for mm -hmm. like a couple minutes, he still is very devoted to figuring out where he went and they literally have to remind him, Hey Riker, like you have to focus on these snake aliens first, <laughs> like before we figure out the Picard issue. And Guinan has a good talk with him, essentially a non-talk. She doesn't barely say anything. She's just like, I'm not telling you shit. Like, we are not talking about this. Absolutely no. It right. could disrupt the timeline, all this kind of stuff. And yeah. it's a good lesson for Riker to like, sometimes you just got to let things happen like we've been talking about. Yeah. I yeah. think Picard was like, I have had too many chips in my body for these episodes, so I'm giving one to Data. Because right. Now <laughs> he, he, gets something. he needs it instead. Yeah. Yeah. Data was on his way to a conference and then. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And just having Mark Twain at the end kind of internalize that lesson and be like, oh, I'm going to put the watch right here. You know, that's you know, people just sort of like trusting in the future, you know, and just accepting uh, their circumstances. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, Mark Twain totally blows a collaboration with Jack London in this episode. Who knows what those two could have done if they had gotten together? Literally. <laughs> yeah. That Mark Twain was pretty good. I felt a ghost into the room. It was like, oh God, he's here. He's with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah star trek note too by the way for anybody who likes like this style of storytelling like this one kind of remind me of a, of a comic i read a little while ago uh called paper girls and mm -hmm. i think it's supposed to be getting a tv series at some point also i don't know if that's been yeah. canceled or not mm -hmm. but uh really great comic uh it's only like i think it's less than 36 issues if you want to like read the whole thing um it's just very much kind of like the same thing where it's it's very jeremy baramy so if you like this episode and you like comics uh give paper girls a try that, that's my shameless plug cool. uh, unsolicited plug for a comic that some folks out there might enjoy too Love, Love that. that. Thank you. Yeah. And we have a serious question from Strange Dew Pod. Who fucked with the time with time most? Was it Kirk, John Luke, or Janeway? Um, I'm putting in Anorax as mine, actually. So <laughs> he oh, wow. actually yeah. fucked with it the most. But Why did he? That didn't even happen. So <laughs> exactly. So he really did. <laughs> yeah. well, oh, or Michael, her mom, we see as well, too. <laughs> specifically, um, what is it like? uh Scalder and Mully, the the uh time agency guys are like Captain Kirk, don't even start me off with that. So yes. so at, in the halls of the time agency, uh they, they would say that it's Kirk, but I don't know. I think Kirk gave the least amount of shits about it. He was like, yeah. whatever, well, let's go. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Janeway though, for real. She doesn't care at the end. Yeah. That's true. Um I can't remember the name of the episode now, but um yeah when the time ship shows up and they're like oh boy okay all right. <laughs> Yeah, I think I mean I, I don't know if it's ever has been answered canonically, but uh, I, I kind of wonder about Scotty because I mean he did give away 
uh, transparent aluminum. Like, was was that guy supposed yes, to be the inventor true. of it? Like, what happened there? <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, and like Spock gave in the Telfidverse, he gave Scotty his codes from the future. So, like, what does that do to the future? Also, yeah. his equation that, for like, trans for like yeah, transporting at warp. Yeah, yeah. And we see uh, MC Freud said Admiral Janeway. She erased twenty five years just because things didn't happen exactly how she wanted it. Also, yeah. a good point. I believe Harry Kim and Chakotay also did that. <laughs> so, Timeless. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but Harry Kim's a husband. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So great question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's time to go on to the last episode of our TNG watch list. So we're going to talk about final mission. Mm. This is a great Wesley and Picard episode. Um, Picard, the beginning of the episode informs Wesley, Hey, you've been accepted into Starfleet and mm -hmm. I'm going to take you on one final mission so we can just have some time together. And of course the shuttle crashes and the shuttle crash. The classic. Yeah. This is a very classic shuttle crash episode. Um, <laughs> And they are with a pilot of a freighter ship or a captain of a freighter ship. Um, he's here for some of the episode, sadly dies, um, but they Isn't are. That sadly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Death by shrink wrap. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. It's a tough one. This, this is a very like great one to see what should you do if you're stranded in a desert because Picard quickly is trying to figure out where's the food, where's the water. Oh no, there's no water because this captain didn't keep any provisions in his shuttle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Only alcohol, yeah, which right. is <laughs> worse. Which <laughs> yeah. is dehydrating. Yeah. yeah. So I think let's talk just, let's just go into this episode. Um, how do we feel about Picard taking hold of the situation? Did he make the right choice to head towards the mountains? What are your thoughts? I mean, definitely did, because that's how they found him, ultimately, was his little arrow. I mean, so this was, like, survival skill 101 for Picard. Like, this was very basic for him. Like, he was not nervous at all. Him, This was just textbook for him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was smart to take control. Wesley was, of course, all on board for it as well. It was just, you know, the captain who was just whiny about it and getting drunk. Um, so, yeah, for the most part, it was, it was, this was an easy day for Picard. Just made more difficult because that idiot. Yep. Yeah, it's always the idiot who makes it harder in these episodes. And um, I was really glad that Picard did have sort of an ally in Wesley in this episode, because if it were him and the idiot, then that would be just even more annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're not going to try and give him a name now. He's just the idiot. He's the yeah. idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great survival skills right off the bat. I love that they all you know, put on head coverings. They're all like pretty much just ready to go. And it's really scary to leave the shuttle behind too. I think I'd be terrified because you don't know if you're going to find anything that's even like remotely shelter or mm -hmm. obviously we know that deserts get like really cold at night. And this is registered as barely a class M moon, I believe. So it, it's like really pretty uninhabitable, especially when Picard, you know, gets some like rocks on him and he's dying. <laughs> like it's just, it just starts escalating because of, of the idiot and his desire to, to have water. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for Picard's elf eyes, it would never even have seen the cave in the first place either. So, Literally. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a great example of not only his survival skills, but like him using leadership in a crisis because he immediately has to establish not that he's leading, but that he's got the best plan. You know, they're both captains and he respects that, but he's like, I've got a pretty good plan. We should probably do this. And they do that. And later on, he, um, he delegates tasks, you know, to the people that he's with and trusts them to do them. And, uh, instructs the subordinates and what to do. And ultimately he's even self-sacrificing because he pushes Wesley out of the way of the rocks and takes the hit. Uh, but Wesley is the guy who knows how to hack the 
water thing and eventually gets them the water that lets them survive in the first place. So even like that move was a good move, keeping the guy that could do that job alive and taking that hit himself. So it's like the five habits of successful captains in shuttle crashes. Like this is a good example of, uh, of what you should do. Yeah, it was striking to me just how unflappable Picard is in this episode because he shows no hesitation, no second guessing. He knows what to do. He's delegating tasks, like you're saying, Aaron. And it reminded me of something we didn't bring up in Attached um, because once uh, Beverly and Picard can read each other's minds, Picard makes a decision like, it's that way, let's go. And she's yeah, yeah. in here, like, you're yeah. not sure about that. You're completely guessing. Yeah. And Picard says, well, there's times like in Final Mission with Wesley where even if you're not sure, you have to act confident because you have yeah. to stay optimistic and you have to act like we're we're going to accomplish something. We're not going to die. We're going to get through this. And so I thought this was a really great example of how to just show confidence yeah. <laughs> in this yeah. really dire situation. Because yeah. I think if it was another group of people there, this would be a panic. Like people would be really freaking out. And I don't feel a sense of danger at all, even though this is a very extreme situation. Yeah. Picard does though, you know, at the yes. end of the episode, yeah, he, sure. when he's pretty sure that he's going to die, he says some very, uh, heartfelt things to to Wesley, and it's a it's a fascinating look at his character. And when you think about where we came from, with I don't like children on the bridge. Shut up, Wesley. Uh, till now, when he's saying, "I I really envy you, and I feel like I was selfish, you know, with your with your future." And uh, talk to this guy Boothby. He's great, you know. <laughs> Do that. Uh, you know, I'm proud of you. Like it's a very uh, emotional sort of thing for Picard. It's probably the closest that we see. Uh, in some of these episodes to despair for Picard. Like he's, I think he thinks he, that he's going to die. And so he's, he's letting those shields down, so to speak. And he's just getting this all out. I think it's also the fact that, you know, this is kind of like the theme throughout all of these, uh, you know, we can call them stranded. You could also probably refer to them as like desert Island episodes where it's like someone is forced in this kind of dire situation. Now they can be as emotionally open as they want. It's not out mm -hmm. of character. You can just get all that exposition out there and just dump it out in the field and let everybody know what's going on. Uh, and that's what kind of makes all these strand episodes really great too, because you can just do that. Like you have the freedom. You, the storytelling is so liberated now to allow you to just express all those emotions that you had to hide, all the all the subtext you had to hide for so many episodes. Now you can just say it. And yeah, it's it's real beautiful to see Picard finally, you know, like really have that heart to heart with Wesley, and more so Wesley showing Picard that he's an adult, and he's an adult because of Picard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. beautiful said yeah beautifully said and i feel like this is so cathartic for wesley you know obviously very traumatic as well like they're they're dealing with a lot but i think that getting to finally hear that picard is proud of him and someone who he has seen as a father since his own father passed you know i think that uh really getting that from picard is so rare because he is not one to outwardly show his emotions like that or to mm -hmm. really tell people when he's like impressed by them he'll do the nod or like little That's subtle right. ways but if, if you're a kid and if you're younger it's hard to pick up on those things and for wesley especially he's he's experienced so much of picard's ire and so much of his just like frustration <laughs> with wesley that this yeah. getting this other side of him is just extremely important to who wesley becomes and i think sets a lot of those steps in motion for him and it's just incredible to see how much Wesley shines after that, after he, Picard sort of emboldens him, even though, yes, he's thinking he's going to die. This puts a fire under Wesley to say, no, he's not going to die. I'm going to save him. And he does, you know, and I love even after he finally gets the shield down, he still is just cheesy Wesley. He still is like, it worked, you know, and I love that. Like he still maintains his like cute sort of like Wesley behavior while 
really growing into this into this wonderful man that he's going to become and so just like kudos to the both of them for working through this situation together because it could easily have gone complete to shit you know if they had been arguing or just kind of if Picard had had more of his like pettiness he had with Wesley in the beginning you know I think it would have been really different but they've both put in that work to respect each other more so it pays off Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Rihanna, I thank you for bringing up that point. I had written down Wesley's quote when Picard is seemingly passed out and can't hear him. He says, I've seen you think your way out of worse situations and I'll think our way out of this one. And that's just, you know, he's riding that wave of we're going to get out of here. I'm with, I got to save Picard's life, you know? <laughs> I mean, he has his father figure there. That's his role model and he's taught him how to do these things. So it's kind of like, you know, Picard has passed on these skills as well as Riker too, but this is a more Picard episode, but you know, they basically have passed on these skills to this little boy who was once wearing a sweater on the bridge. Now he's in the uniform. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, it's the evolution of this character and, and the, I guess the culmination of their relationship too. So even after this point, I mean, the next time we really see Wesley is for the game, which is just about him trying to get it on. And then after that, we see him uh, for the episode where he then joins the traveler in his wild escapades. Um, when he like messes up in uh, the first duty. Yeah. The first duty also, too. Yeah. 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 So, mm -hmm. It was really the last, like, this is really the last moment until first duty where he has that, that real kind of, you know, emotional tie to him. So uh, important episode for all the characters really. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just like that they phaser some rocks to make a campfire in this episode. That's an old school move. TOS. TOS. I'm thinking about Sulu shivering. Rocks. Yeah. This is a staple episode for sure. Has anybody ever tried that? Has anybody like taken the lighter to some rocks and see if that actually works? How do you know which rocks? <laughs> Any rock will do. What if it explodes? Yeah. I yeah. have giant Wesley here with us, uniform Wesley. Uh, uh, Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> I'm match my giant first contact card. So. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do just want to say too, at the end of this episode, it's so gorgeous that like they all get saved. Of course, Picard is being um, helped out of the uh, cave on this stretcher, and Wesley holds his hand like the entire way out of the cave, and they stay beside each other, and like. Yeah, that just solidifies a whole new level of their relationship. And I just like, can we have Wesley in Picard season three for the love of God? Like we saw him in Picard two, season two, but like no Picard interaction with him and that we were robbed of that. So like we better, we better get it. And this is not a spoiler because uh, Will actually wrote this on his social media. So unfortunately, uh, according to him, at least uh, Wesley will not be in season three. So yeah. we're not getting more of that because yeah. he had his moment in, in season mm -hmm. two and that's that. That's so what I'm saying. are just, yeah, packing in too much. Um, that's yeah, like it's giving just us. Disappointing. They don't feel yeah. like giving us closure. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, for Eddie. Yeah, I mean, Wesley's now yeah. Doctor Who. He's got a companion. Yeah. I mean, he's living the good right. life. Right. True. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think this is a good time, unless we have any other thoughts about Final Mission. Okay. Well, I think this is a good time to kind of foreway into the future. So I have a question for you all. Um, we're going on to the movies. If you could be stranded, if you had to be stranded in any of these movies, would you choose Generations being stranded in the Nexus with Picard, First Contact being stranded in the past with Zephyr Cockrum and the Borg, or Nemesis when Picard is kidnapped by Shinzon? Um, let's see, Rihanna, I'm going to start with you. What's your choice for this? Um, I'm definitely the Nexus. Like, I'm going to be riding horses with Picard and Kirk. Um, we're going to be having a great time. And it'll still be Christmas all the time, which is a little weird. But, like, I'm excited. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Matthew, how about you? I wasn't too sure about this because I thought, like, the easy answer would be the Nexus. But I'm like, would I be happy living in that life forever? 
you know, because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be trapped in there, right? That's pretty much indefinite. So like, do I want to be replaying the same Hanukkah for you know endless uh, eternity? So I don't know about that. And uh, you know, first context, same thing. It's like process of elimination here. Uh, I'll, I'll be stuck in. For us, it is the future, but it's a pretty horrible timeline to be stuck in. Also, I mean, it, it's pretty dismal looking. Uh, so to me, I guess the least horrible one is actually being kidnapped by Shinzon, because at least I know wow. like, I'm gonna be getting fed. I'm gonna hang out with some Remans for a little bit, and then I'm gonna go back on the ship. Like, he's not gonna hold me that long, right? So it, it, like, what's what's Shinzon gonna get out of me that he needs to know? Really? Like, is he gonna get to like have an encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek figures? Oh, that's useful. So yeah, I'm gonna be right back to Enterprise Z, and that's that. Wow, I love this. I did not expect anyone to say Nemesis. Um, okay, Aaron, what do you got? I'm just thinking about being kidnapped by Shinzon. <laughs> he gets impaled on a Picard figure and then pulls it through him. Um, <laughs> I, it has to be value, Shinzon. <laughs> it has to be. We have to start the procedure. Um, it has to be the Nexus because yes, it is uh, Cloud Cuckoo Land. It's Lotus eating, but it's being suspended in pure joy. And as it's proven, you can leave like at any time. So once I have had enough of, you know, the best Christmas ever, uh, <laughs> then I can realize, oh, no, I'm stuck in this thing. And then I can exit and be part of the mission, you know, to save the world or the galaxy or, or whatever it is. Uh, it's the one that has ultimately what seems like the least amount of lasting effect. Because all three people that we meet that go to the Nexus get out of the Nexus. It's not like you're trapped there forever. Although it does seem like there'd be a danger of that, though. Sure, definitely could be. It feels like that's how it was kind of set up to be like, you know, um, you could just be trapped there forever because you'd just be stuck in that numbing loop of just having all those endorphins in your head all the time. And eventually you just forget what reality actually is. So yeah. uh, it's kind of like a, a trap of, of good stuff, but eventually all good things must come to an end. Yeah. Hey, there, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good place to, <laughs> yeah. to do that. You know, like actually, <laughs> this isn't thing. great. Yeah. Yeah. Ashlyn. I have to go with first contact actually. Um, because I would just love to be back with the crew with Seferin Cochran because there's so many cringy moments where Jordy's like telling him about the statue and I would just be like, bro, <laughs> I'm getting drunk with Troy. I'm just chilling. I don't have to do any of the science. I just have to watch and just say first contact day. Like this is not how I expected it to go down. So, <laughs> and you don't right. have to be with the Borg. So you're not choosing the, the, the Borg infested enterprise, Ashlyn. <laughs> I'm probably going to wait and like try to beam on the enterprise, like at the very end of the episode, like just yeah. stay on earth the whole time. And then sure. I don't get assimilated. And then I'll just be like, all right, peace out. See you guys later. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I love that. We all have very different answers for the movies. Um, and I can't believe that he is pretty much stranded in like most of these movies. When yeah. we were realizing that I was like, wow, this is just a classic, like we said with Gambit, like it is a sort of a classic way to, really make the stakes high if someone is like trapped in a place and you have to sort of finesse your way out. Yeah. And then some comments from our viewers, we have uh, MC says the Nexus, cause I can live my best TOS fantasy, which is very reasonable. Um, let's see. Yeah. So thank you for your input. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, before we wrap up today, I want to say thank you to both of you for joining us. And I, I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for John Luke going into season three, what kind of stranded tools, what has he learned? What can he take in to this final season that is going to both, it's going to like aid him. So Rihanna, I'm going to have you go first. What, what suggestions do you have for John Luke? Sure. Let me, let me cut out. He's wanting in and out. Um, so 
I have a couple suggestions for John Luke. First of all, is uh, just keeping his cool. You know, I think that a lot of of Picard's best moments are when he is not hindered by emotion. So even if someone gets kidnapped, like in his place, or he has to go figure out how to save somebody, or he gets kidnapped, like keep being your cool self, Picard. Also, remember all your first aid. Remember that. Also, you have people around you, hopefully, if he gets stranded this season. Hopefully, it'll be like season two of Picard, where they're all stranded back in time together, and they can, like, kind of work together to figure out all of this craziness, because I think that Picard sometimes suffers when he's by himself stranded, obviously. It's a lot harder when you don't have a crew behind you. Um, And I think, honestly, I'm just curious to see how he would be sort of because he's not in this like as big of captaincy role anymore, you know? So if he does get stranded in season three, we even see that season two, he yes, he's, he's the captain figure, but through a lot of it, like the crew are completely split up and going through their own personal things. And Picard's going through his own personal trauma of <laughs> remembering himself stranded in the cellar when he's stranded in time. So he's going through a lot of his own stuff. And so I think it will be interesting in season three if there happens to be a stranding that uh, hopefully he'll be with more people to get the assistance he needs. Great point. Aaron, what have you got? What are you given? To, what are you trying to remind Picard? It's hard to say because he's he's been through so much. And even just in the last two seasons of Picard, he's been through so much. Um, so I guess that I would say that even though so much has changed, um, he's so much older uh, he's a, a robot now or an yeah. android question mark uh some things still work and i guess we don't know the details about you know amanda Plummer's villain character we don't know necessarily what the threat is fully but all the old tricks always work kirk showed us that you know um sometimes you can just there's things that you can rely on and so all the skills that he's used throughout these episodes you know throughout the run of tng and in his career as um the captain of the flagship of the enterprise i think just sticking to those things you know he's had two seasons of picard where he's expanded it he's looked back on his life and he's he's grown as a person and a character but this is like this is back to basics he's got to go use the picard, uh the the picard maneuver you know, yes. do that, you know, uh, bring out all the old things, uh, trap them in an energy field uh, on the bridge, uh, something like that. You know, that's what I think, you know, go back to the, uh, to the old stuff, the old ways. Love this. All right, Matthew, what do you, what do you tell him, Picard? Uh, you know, there's not much I need to say to him, I don't think, because, uh, you know, I don't think it's even going to be a spoiler. I think this is going to happen at some point. I'm, I'm pretty positive Picard will be captured by evil plumber uh, and, and he will be isolated from the entire crew. And, you know, we know that Picard has survival skills. We know Picard is diplomatic even throughout these situations. And like everybody's kind of said, he knows what he has to do in these situations. But I, I think the bigger thing with the Picard series has been more so that it's not necessarily about being stranded on another planet. It's more about being stranded within yourself. And we saw that especially in Picard season two. Um, and even in season one, like I, I think back to like when he went on the board cube for the very first time and all his memories came rushing back to him. And he was mm-hmm. by himself, essentially. He wasn't stranded but he was by himself and he was stuck on his own island. And likewise, in season two, we saw little boy Picard stuck in, in his own mind in that trauma. So I think Picard has to remember who he is. And that's what I tell him is just remember who you are. Cause you already know your skills. You have all these tools at your disposal, but don't forget who you are. And I think like the greatest lesson he probably learned was in chain of command, which is keep that dignity, but not even just that. It's just literally remember who you are, what you've accomplished, what you've done. You can overcome whatever is thrown at you, whether it's by yourself or with your friends you can rely on everything you've learned, everything you know, all your life experiences, because you are now, you are the Picard. 
So he, yes. he can furnish you anything he wants to. The Picard, the Picard is wise. Is wise. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Picard is linear. Yes. <laughs> Ashley, yeah. how about you? There's Any not much to add. You said it all, everyone. Uh, great answers. I I really, really think we're going to get a, like, whole Picard. We've, we've finally have seen him go through like so many trials and I think he's just, he's just raw Picard, raw John Luke in season three. So I think as long as he can channel who he is, as everyone's saying, he's going to be fine. And I'm really, even in his age and his new robot body, like any kind of stakes, I'm just not worried. I, could he die? I don't know. I am worried about that, but yeah. we'll just see. we'll just see what happens. We'll just cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we only have about five more days to go, so we'll we'll have the answer soon, at mm -hmm. least in the premiere episode. So, wow! Thank you both for joining me. I love this uh, almost two-hour discussion about Picard being stranded. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> But it's it's to be expected when we have three podcasts that go very in-depth about everything. So I'm just so thankful for your insights and uh, just what a great time this was. Um, Matthew, where can people find you, social media? Where can they listen to your podcast? I have my little Galoob Picard right here. Uh, so if you want to check out Trek Untold, it's available on all major audio platforms. So iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, wherever the heck else is out there. I don't know, Stitcher. There's, there's tons of things I don't even know that exist, but I'm there. Uh, and also on YouTube.com slash at Trek Untold. Uh, and we're every Thursday video and audio episodes coming out. And uh, trying to remember who's coming up next week. I think what we're doing actually for this coming week is in honor of Picard. We have a guest from season two. And this actually hasn't been announced yet on my socials. So oh. I'm going to announce it here first, a Dura Sisters and Strange New Pod exclusive. I'm going to have Adele Pomerenke, and she was Ensign Kemi aboard the Stargazer on season two's episode one and episode 10. Yay, uh, so exciting. Congratulations, that's so that's awesome. Great. A lot yeah. of fun. That's Sweet. great. All right, and Aaron, where can we find Enterprising Individuals? You can find Enterprising Individuals at at E-I-S-T-P-O-D on Twitter. Uh, and also, you, if you go to uh, Linktree, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Just Enough Trope, that's our network page, and it's got all of the shows on our network. And I wanted to mention, you mentioned uh, Picard's coming out soon. We actually uh, have live discussions about new episodes of Star Trek every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central on our Twitch channel, which is Twitch Just Enough Trope. Sweet. Amazing. Great stuff you all are doing. Yeah. Rihanna, we like completely forgot to promote our pod. So will you take yeah. will you just do, a piece <laughs> do that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. what it, what's our pod all about? And where yeah. can I can tell them where to find us? Yeah, sure. Our podcast uh, is a discussion on a series theme. We are currently on our holodeck series and we took a break for Picard Week, but we will be back talking about the two Enterprise holodeck episodes. Uh here this coming week after the Picard week madness. Not is looking forward to this. Very episode. scared, but we will get past it. We will move on to New Trek uh, holodeck episodes, and that is going to be an absolute blast. And also, we are just like kind of revamping our Patreon, and we have new exciting tiers and everything. And actually, Ashlyn already announced the new series on our Patreon, so patrons can get an exclusive uh, into that. But we will be announcing it here in a few weeks. And yeah, we are just. So, so thrilled and honored to be a part of Strange New Pods uh, Card Week and truly like just to have this podcast family, you know, sort of reunion from last year and to see new faces here and faces from last year is just so wonderful. So thank you all for tuning in and taking time out of your day to listen to us talk about Star Trek for nearly two hours. 
Absolutely. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Dura Sisters Podcast. You can even find us at Tumblr. We have our live episodes up on YouTube. TikTok too. Yeah. yeah. And then you can listen to us anywhere that podcasts are found. So yeah, once again, just to echo Rihanna, uh, thank you, Strange New Pod. We also, we were so happy to be on uh, Matthew's on Trek Untold's episode, uh, which is coming up on Monday. And then we are also going to be um, with the Promenade Merchants podcast, talking about Picard and the women. So That's the love fest coming up. Yeah, absolutely coming up. Um, Rihanna also opened up the week with Strange New Pod talking about their TNG Kelvin pitch. Oh, and it was so I, fun. Yeah. I have to recommend you go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. So thank you, Strange New Pod. Thank you, Aaron and Matthew. We are just so happy to talk about Strand of Picard. And uh, everyone, please keep tuning in for the rest of the week. And we will be happily guided right to the premiere of season three Picard. So yes. thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the sixth episode of our holodeck series, where Ashton and Rihanna will discuss the photonic friends and enemies in Star Trek Enterprise. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and especially our merch on Threadless. All these can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. Please check out our Patreon, where you have the chance to join any one of our amazing Klingon houses, from our $1 a month tier with Alexander Rozhenko, all the way to $23 a month, with Kalis the Unforgettable. Check out these perks, rewards, episodes, and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, and the spooky series. If you haven't heard a particular series, please go back and listen to any of these spectacular episodes. Social Media and Marketing by me, Ashton Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashton Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith.